Yes, it's one of those days. Hi, I'm back. After, that was the intro, which normally we start with. But, you know, whatever. Happy Friday. Hey, Carrie, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just pressed, I was like, yeah, let's go live. You know, I pressed the button and I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about process. Just press the button. <sighs> Hi guys, welcome to Unsafe Space. If it's your first time here, this is uh, the, the live show that we do on Mondays and Fridays called da uh, Daily. What well, used to be called Daily Confetti, now it's called Confetti Break, and uh, we sometimes we have we step into some confetti at yeah, the very beginning. Once in a while. We make mistakes. I am an while. excellent producer. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh That's man. Okay. That's okay. It's all about. It's all about. Inter it, that was intermittent frivolity, Carrie. That was. There you which go. I'm getting really excited about. Okay. Couple wait, of wait, things. wait, wait. Before you go on to other stuff, can we? There's still, still some top of the. Yeah, doing... that's what I'm doing. Okay, good. Okay. Couple of things. Top okay, of the good. show things. Okay. Have faith in me, Carter. We are going to be at the Milwaukee um, Better Discourse Conference this weekend. We're very excited. If you guys are in Milwaukee, send us a message or something. Hit us up. Probably the best is speak at unsafespace.com and just let us know you're there. We'd like to meet you. Um, I'm going to be doing a speech, my first speech ever, at the walkaway event on Saturday the 15th. And if you say prayers, say a prayer for me. If you don't say prayers, keep me in your thoughts. Uh, you may not believe this because we do a live show, but public speaking has always been one of my fears, which is why I said, yes, I'm doing this because... I need to get over that fear. I need to practice this. And plus, I think it's really important to talk about why I am a liberal who is not voting for the Democratic Party in this election, because I think there are a lot of liberals. I know there are a lot of liberals because I hear from them who feel like me. And I think a lot of them just need a little push to get over that fear to, uh, you know what somebody said when they, uh, so I wrote this essay recently, um, a liberal for Trump. And a friend of a friend uh, said that it, it made them feel not crazy, like they're not uh -huh. the only liberal thinking this. Mm. And I and I want I, I was hoping, look, if this gets spread, I, I hope liberals read it. And a if they're feeling like it's just them that's noticing something's wrong with the left. It's not just you. You're not crazy. The left is no longer liberal. The Democratic Party is no longer liberal. So I was hoping that that would happen. And I was also hoping people would um feel like a lot of people have attachments. As we know, you have attachments to identities. You, you take on these identities and they, you think it's you, like your beliefs become you or something. And so I know a lot of people are afraid of like, if I decide not to vote Democrat or God forbid, if I decide to even vote Trump, does that mean I'm no longer a liberal? No, you're still a liberal. The party is no longer, the Democratic Party is no longer liberal. So I was hoping it would make people feel that way. And that's why I'm doing this speech at Walkaway. I'm really honored they asked me. My friend um, Mike Harlow is going to be speaking. Uh, Dr. K is going to be speaking. And Shamika Michelle and, of course, Brandon Straka and a bunch of other people. So if you guys are in Milwaukee, come say hello and send me good thoughts that I don't get up there and just, like, freeze. You're not going <laughs> to so... freeze. It'll be fine. Someone just said okay. you should read your essay. Uh, that's why she wrote the essay. <laughs> she wrote the essay. I do, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try. That's like a rough draft of what I want to say. So I'm going to practice it a little more. I um. Yeah. Other top of the show things we are. Uh, we did 
we had two episodes come out this week or just one. Did we just have the one? No, yesterday we had, two. We had we a, released uh, right. Daniel Wagner from Unframe of Mind and Tim Dukeman mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you guys haven't seen those, we got to interview Tim Dukeman. That we, we put that one out yesterday. He's a conservative. He's a Baptist Christian. And he was talking about social justice ideology infiltrating the Southern Baptist Convention, which was really interesting. And you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Baptist to get something out of it. it I thought it was a really great conversation. And then we also talked to Daniel Wagner, like you said, from Unframe of Mind. Um, and that was fun. If you haven't seen it, he and Carter remind me a lot of each other. So it was a lot of like this cool uh, anarcho-capitalist atheist bonding happening. And I was like, I'm on a third wheel here. Okay. <laughs> and I, it was adorable. <laughs> I like the guy. We're, we're now text buddies. I mean, not a lot because we're guys. We don't text too much. But, you know, we've exchanged a few texts. Um, yeah, by the way, I appreciate the – some. I. it's funny because I was in the, like – evangelical atheist movement i not really the movement i I didn't go to conventions or anything but like i I was part of that mindset for a really long time so i'm used to i'm used to wanting to argue against christians but like that's i've left that behind a few years ago for reasons that i think are rational someone could disagree but there's like atheists out there who are like you didn't point out he's wrong about this and that and the bible's contradictory about these things like yeah I, i know I'm not like I'm not fighting Christianity right now. Did you notice we're being taken over by authoritarians? Like, can we shoot yeah. at the right people for a moment? Like, yes, I know I could have better arguments. I didn't invite Tim Dukeman on to argue with him about Christianity. That That's wasn't not the goal. Our topic. The topic wasn't a debate between an atheist and a Christian. The topic was a Christian telling us from his insider perspective how social justice ideology is infecting specifically the Southern Baptists. Community. But that I appreciate it. I appreciate the atheists you're pointing all out. It's good. Everyone else can read your yeah. points. They're good points. Uh, it's just not yeah. my battle right now. Um, yeah. I don't know. Someone says my sound also, is out of sync. If can, can can one of the moderators confirm if it is, I'll try and do something about it. But anyway. uh, Also, we have book club coming up oh, yes. on Sunday, August 23rd. 23rd yeah. We're going to be discussing... Atlas Shrugged. I better start reading it. And you haven't started? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to just listen to it on four times speed. I'm doing this one on audiobook, man. Look, I, I got into I started. I started reading it. I just haven't made very much progress. And then I start. It's so intimidating. And this one's so dense. But okay. uh, don't be like me. I hope you've already started it because it is dense. Well, I've read it like four and, times. And, and, I, and this time I'm probably two-thirds of the way through but i stopped because i didn't want to finish it too close to book club or too far away from book club Um, so i should pick it up soon and like get through the last bit but i've been reading some other stuff it's fun um so i'll i'll get to it there's a lot i have such a long reading list that it's it's insane um so the book someone asked what the book is atlas shrugged is the book um and you guys can be a part of the live book club discussion on Sunday the 23rd. If you want to be a part of it, um, send an email to speak at unsafespace.com or you can just be in the live chat. We do them live, so you could be in the chat like you are today. Yep. And yes, I see you guys. Yes, Tim Pool. This was really cool. Tim Pool um, read my that essay I mentioned, mm-hmm. A Liberal for Trump, on his channel yesterday. And that made me feel very good because I'm like, 
he has a very big viewership, obviously. And I think I, it's the right demographic the too. It's like exactly your kind of people. Right. Right. I dig him. I think we have a not the same, but similar trajectory. From what I understand about him, and and I have watched his videos, he was one of the actually he was one of the first people, along with Dave Rubin, that ha- helped me feel like I wasn't crazy, that there was something changing on the left. Um, but uh, it made me really hopeful because I was like, yes, seeing from the com, the, some of the comments were really encouraging because there were a lot of people in there who were saying, I'm a liberal and I feel the same way. And I'm like, yes, like get over that fear, and you don't have to be, you don't have to be embarrassed for saying that you're voting for Trump, I had to get over my embarrassment. I didn't want to be associated with him. And then I realized I was like, oh gosh, it's that fear holding me back. And I realize a lot of people will still be embarrassed and afraid and they won't They won't say who they're, a lot of liberals are gonna vote for him and not say who they voted for. Oh, absolutely. And that's okay, that's yeah. okay too. But yeah. if you are a person who feels like a liar when you don't speak the truth about what you feel and you feel compelled to say something, you can say something and look, I'm voting for him be- because I'm a liberal, <laughs> because I'm a liberal. So that's what that was. That essay was about. And this great essay, anyway. if anyone hasn't read it, you should go re- uh, read it. Ninja Kitty just posted the link to the article in uh, in chat. So so go check it out. I wonder, Carrie, if uh, I think if you are very political, like you are very political for most of your adult life i think right and, and like i i was yeah i was super from from what i've seen about very political people is they'll associate with one party and they'll they very much black and white things like if you're a democrat you're like the republicans are satan and the democrats are well not quite angels but close They're the closest thing we got and i feel pretty good about them that's kind of you know and the reverse by the way is true um if you're a conservative or a Republican, you kind of look at the Democrats and you say, well, the Democrats are Satan, but the Republicans, they're not great, but they're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're pretty good. Right. And you point to people like Ted Cruz that you really like or whatever. And um, welcome. I'm, I would like to just an, a blanket welcome for the political people from either side. There are a lot of us who were not part of either one of those parties <laughs> And we always feel like we have to make a choice between two bad candidates. For those of us who vote, which is not always me, right? It was always like, this guy sucks for reasons A, B, and C, and this person sucks for D, E, and F. Crap! (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, like, what you're experiencing now, when you abandon a party, when you abandon that ideology and you decide to step out and think for yourself, you realize, actually, it is a choice between bad alternatives it's probably always been a, been a choice between bad alternatives <laughs> and it doesn't feel as good to vote because you can't get excited. Like you're not a, you might be voting for Trump, but you're not like a MAGA out rap, woo woo Trump, blah, blah, blah. Like you're not a, no. a Trumpite, a Trumpette, whatever they call them. And that's, and, and like, it's, I think it's hard if you're, if you're used to being on a sports team and having a, a team to worship and then suddenly be like, oh, Actually, I don't care who wins the sports game so much. I think these people should win, but I might care, but like I'm not their fans. <laughs> like there's a difference. You step back and you're like, oh crap, uh, I'm not a huge fan, but better than the other person. So I don't know. And everyone Welcome, has people. been very, look, I enjoy the spirited Trumpers 
because sure. they, I mean, they make me smile, especially if you look at like the uh, gay and lesbian walkaway rallies. And I mean, they don't give an F like imagine how strong and confident you have to be to be a gay person who comes out for Trump enthusiastically. You're going to be ostracized, called all kinds of names like you're going to be. And and I really it didn't. I love to see people who are just that confident and or like, I don't care. You know, and you know, what's really funny, though. I, One of my, I agree um, with you on that, by the way. There is something yeah. cool about about uh, wrong thinkers willing to say like pro-Trump people willing to say, especially ones that are in communities that are, will get them in a lot more trouble, right? Like, yeah, a lot of the walk away people. <laughs> like a lot of the, so one of my, I have to tell you this, because this is interesting though, speaking of switching teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my liberal friends messaged me last night and um, it's really funny because not that long ago, like maybe four months ago, she was very anti-Trump. She's she's in California. She was very anti-Trump. And just watching for her, like last night I got a message from her that said, I'm voting for Trump, here's why. This from a person who was very, just kind of, not an SJW, but kind of NPC, follows the media, doesn't like him, especially if you're in the bubble of Los Angeles and you, you know. Right. You just automatically think he's, you don't do the deep digging, you just kind of consume what the media says. Well, in the past four months or so, she started doing a lot of deep digging and I think figuring out what she thinks about things. But she said last night, I'm voting for Trump and here's why. And she sent me an article about, um, mask mandates about Biden and the three month mask mandate. Mm. And, you know, if you've been affected by, especially if you're in a place like Los Angeles where they've now said, if you have people over to your home, they can cut off your water and power. If they find out you have people at your house, can you believe that? And people are okay with that? Well, she's not okay with it. I know a lot of people who are not okay with it. And it's come down to this authoritarian, this authoritarianism on the left surrounding the the coronavirus panic that has pushed, in her case, pushed her to Trump. And it was funny because she's a very enthusiastic person just in general. And so for her making that big leap, we were both laughing because I was like, yeah, the old me would have thought I was crazy. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, me too. And then, she, and then, but she's like a very rah-rah person. So her tweets for her, her texts were hilarious because it's like, I'm voting for him. Here's why. And then she's like, he's the best. <laughs> 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 like it was very sports TV. And I was like, cool, you go girl. Like, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was funny. But I, just, I can see I why it's actually many... fun to do that also, just because it really pisses people off yeah <laughs> i just wonder how many people are like that i'm like you know i'm i'm aware that anecdotally like basing my opinions on what's happening at large on anecdotal evidence is is not that smart of a move <laughs> but i think but my gut tells me just based on all the people on the left who i'm hearing from all the liberals and progressives i know who have changed their minds or who have rather I'd say open their eyes about what's happened um, to the democratic party based on that. I think it's a, I think it's a much bigger movement than people realize a, a movement of people away from the democratic party. I think walk away is huge. It's huge and it's bigger than it's bigger than what you see at the rallies even. Well, and like you said earlier, 
there's going to be a lot of people voting who aren't saying it because yeah. it is there's basically no metropolitan area. I mean, there, maybe there's some small towns, but there's no metropolitan area in the entire country in which saying you're voting for Trump doesn't come with uh, net negative social consequences, um, like real ones, real social consequences. Um, and certainly online saying it comes with real social consequences. So, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people and 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 the the Democrats haven't learned their lesson. It's not like they yeah. it's not like they rolled their sleeves up and tried to figure out why people voted for Trump and tried to fix it. They just doubled down on everything that everyone hates about them. So I don't see how that's a winning strategy either. Now, maybe Google and that's Facebook exactly and Twitter can pull it out of their ass for for the Democrats, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe they can. Or this mail-in voting thing. Right. Yeah, I I um, I was astounded. I mean, after after we lost in 2016, this is when I started my branch away from the party because I wanted to find out why he won because I didn't want it to happen again. Right. And curiosity and original, will, will will really help you if you do that, right? Yeah. Yes, my original posts were all about as I started moving away from social justice ideology. But if you look at like the stuff I was reading and sharing and thinking about um, right after the election, it was all it was all shared with who the people I thought were on my side, like social justice leftists. I was like, we need to figure out why he won, like in the Democratic Party, like we need to. And so I was sharing things that were trying to get at the root because I was like, I don't want this to happen again. And you know what? You know what I was met with? Of course. No, he won simply because of racism and sexism and because this is a white supremacist patriarchy and you know any any pursuit of the truth here is wrong like you i was um shunned for even trying to figure it out not and i couldn't understand it because i i was thinking well if we don't understand why he won what's going to stop it from happening again yeah and I have a they friend. Did, they, you're right. They didn't, yeah, they didn't learn their lesson. They doubled down. They right. doubled down on the losing strategy. They went further into social justice ideology. It's it's eaten up the whole freaking party now. Right. They went more crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a normie friend slash colleague who I was talking to the other day and and uh, I I don't know how we haven't talked about this, but he he said the same. I, I said, we were having a conversation about politics, and I said, well, you know why Trump won, right? And he was like, well, racism. He just, he, he did the same. He still thought it was just, well, I guess there's a lot of racists. And I was, like, I was like, no, no, I had to explain to him how much people hated the left. <laughs> like, he won because he's not, because he, by the way, he's the kind of guy who agrees with all the things that we're saying, like, I, I talk about the deep state stuff and all the problems with authoritarianism. Like he agrees with all these problems. He's lamenting about what's going on with the left right now, but he still had this narrative of like, well, Trump won because of racism. And I was like, no, no, no. I had to like, all these things that you hate, yeah. everyone hates them too. And Trump stands against them at least, at least verbally. And I think more deeply stands against them. Um, but uh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's There's amazing. A lot, of, a lot of people who just listen to whatever, you know, whatever the mainstream media Can tells I them. So. So two thoughts I don't want to lose before we start moving on to topics. Fine. One is is that um, just looking at some of the responses to my essay about being a liberal for Trump, um, 
most most of it's been overwhelmingly positive, and most of it's been from liberals who agree with me. Um, but there's two like fringe kind of responses that I thought were very interesting. One is from people on the left who want to say that I'm not a liberal and I've never been a liberal, because denial is easier, helps them sleep at night. And for those people, I wrote this funny thing so I could just copy and paste it, but it's true. I was like, it, it it's a lot. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it was basically like talk. You know, I voted. I'm I'm a, I'm a lifetime Democratic voter until 2018. Like I voted for uh, Kerry. I voted for Gore. I voted for Kerry. I didn't even vote Nader. I was such a hardcore blue the, all the way. I didn't even vote for Nader. And, you know, I voted for Obama twice. I I was so in love with Howard Dean during that primary season. I wrote, this is, you, you're going to say I'm such I a girl I love that again. someone was in love with Howard Dean, so. I loved Howard Dean. I wrote handwritten, hundreds of handwritten letters on cloud stationery with like a purple pen. It was all girly. I wrote I wrote this to undecided voters in South Carolina, which is my home state, all about why I thought Howard Dean would be the best president. Um, I was so angry when Bush won, and I was in that state of anger for a while, a lot like the people who are in Trump derangement syndrome, I would say. I joined a running club called Run Against Bush in Los Angeles, where literally we just wore anti-Bush t-shirts and ran off our anger all around town. Like, <laughs> that's how we did. I was at every anti-war protest. I was at all the marriage equality protests. I, I can't even give you a number, there were so many. And I was touring with a comedian at the time. I was touring with Margaret Cho, and every city we went to, I was going to the anti-war protests. Like, I was there. Can I ask um, you a quick question? I'm like, I, yeah. How many anti-war protests did you go under the Obama administration, go to under the Obama administration? Zero. Just curious. Doesn't that tell you a lot? Zero. It certainly does. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I went to Occupy Wall Street. Uh, I went to a deportation hearing with Culture Strike. Um, I used my career to push other social, like to push people with social justice beliefs, comedians with social justice beliefs. Um, I sold and produced a, a television show. And then I sold another one with social justice ideology under that was, that was the show I believed I was using my career to push that belief system. So when somebody tries to say, Oh wait, and here's another embarrassing fact. I spent an inordinate amount of time on social justice sites like chick click and Ms. Magazine forums indoctrinating people into the new definitions, the redefined racism and sexism where it's, you know, prejudice plus power. Um, I seriously considered getting one of those embarrassing women symbol tattoos with a fist in it. And my, thank you for not doing that, by the way, (laughs) thankfully, thankfully talked me out of it. Uh, look, this was my identity and, uh, and it's funny because I'm like, if, and, and I work, oh, nonprofits. I worked with tons of social justice. I was on the board of some social justice nonprofits, like Women Action the Media. I um, I worked with the ones like Color of Change, Race Forward, um, the ACLU, which has now become totally SJW, um, Planned Parenthood, now um, the National Center for Transgender Equality, the HRC, all of these. I did, I, I worked with them to promote my comedians and then to promote their organizations. It was, it, so for a lot of people, if you want to say they're a liar and not believe them, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the receipts or the the history or whatever the to evidence. say. Right, it's really hard for you to do that to me, but 
you can look at all that evidence and still choose to put your head in the sand and say I'm a Russian bot or something. But I was like, look, I'll take my embarrassing history and I'll stack it up against yours and I will win. <laughs> so do not don't play that game with me about who was bigger liberal or bigger. No, SCW Carrie, or you whatever. were a Russian bot. The Russians <laughs> knew this would happen 30 years ago and planted you into the social justice movement just to build that resume so that later on you could write an article on a site that hadn't yet been invented uh, called Medium <laughs> saying you were voting for that right. weird guy from New York who would magically win presidency in 2016. They, they planned all this. All of this. I was programmed it's a like, long time ago. Honestly, it's like yeah. when Michael Jordan quit, quit basketball to do baseball briefly, it would be like someone saying like, well, you never really understood basketball in the first place, Michael. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you, who you think you are, Mr. Credentials Analyzer, but, uh, like, yeah, she spent 20 so years little... as a social justice warrior in her career. Yeah. Somebody says, Comrade Carrie, I was one of those people without really knowing much about Che Guevara who had stickers of him. I actually, well, you can only have stickers non-ironically if you don't know anything about Che Guevara. So you don't know anything about him. (laughs) I thought he was a freedom fighter. I, I, I did, I created a merchandise item for, um, one of my comedians with, uh, we modified that image of him to look like her. Like every, anyway, anyway, I was killing gays and blacks is fun. (laughs) Funny. Yeah. I'm referencing so, Che Guevara, by the way, for those of you. Che who Guevara, yes, show. yes. Uh, so that was funny, but then here's the other. Here's the other one. Just let me hit the other one. So there's this other fringe kind of attitude from people on the right that I saw a couple, maybe four or five times. Okay. In some of the comments, and this is that one we've talked about before. It's that resentful, jealous, angry, bitter response, where people are sort of. Um, it, you know what? It's animated by the same thing that social justice warriors are is. animated by. It's mm-hmm. resentment and jealousy and envy, envy yep. and some kind of self-hatred where they're upset with themselves. They haven't accomplished whatever they want to or something. And so they try and project this on you. And I got a few of those. And those went like something like this. Um, do you want a cookie for pushing this evil belief system for 20 years. I've known since I was 16 that this was an evil belief system and I'm 60 now and you're such a slow learner and you know, you know, blah, 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 this whole, like we've talked about before. It's basically someone who, um, what that comment tells me is, well, a you've known since you were 16 and you're 60 now, that means you've spent four plus decades not learning how to um, get people to listen to what you're saying. Like, who's the slow learner? <laughs> like, oh, that's harsh, Carrie. Who's the slow learner? But also, uh, that is harsh, and it gets right to what, what, right to what actually their wound is. Yeah, that's their where wound their wound is. is that exactly. yeah. Their wound is that nobody listens to me. I'm so smart. I've known this forever. And nobody, you know, why, why is no one listening to me? Okay, well, right. I don't know. Go figure that out for yourself, dude. And right. secondly it tells me what your true intentions are, your intentions, your priority, what you're valuing at the top is some kind of recognition and fame and um, validation. And that's above bringing people over to your point of view. And if bringing people over to your point of view were the top priority, if your intentions were still pure, you would be saying, welcome to the party. Thank you. Come in. Let's, 
fight this together yeah. instead of saying, I've been at the party since I was 16 and you can't come in. Like, <laughs> okay, wait, I have, I have anyway. two things to say about this. One is, uh, drop me a line if you want to know where to send Carrie cookies. Um, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> because maybe she should get a cookie and, uh, you know, we can send, we can send Carrie cookies. The second thing is I want, I, I actually relate to that feeling a little bit. And um, I'm just being honest. I relate to that sometimes a little yeah. bit. Um, and, but it doesn't come from, for, for me, it doesn't come from that place. It comes from a darker place, which is misanthropy, which is like, I go, I go in and out. I mean, I've said this on the show before, but I go in and out of like wanting to save humanity and just saying to hell with humanity, I don't care. Um, and so I think there are people who have recognized this for decades. I've recognized it for decades. I didn't prioritize talking to people about it because I was like, meh, people suck. I'm going to go live my life. I don't, I'm not going to try and convince anyone. I kind of was like, the world is doomed. It's going to be doomed. Nothing I can do about it. Screw it. Like that was my attitude. I'm just going to go live my life in tech sector and do other stuff that I want and have a good life and like screw humanity. Um, and I think partly for me that started to change when I became a father because I was like, oh, humanity has to be around for my daughter. <laughs> like, I can't just say screw humanity. <laughs> like, I, it's not just like I die and it ends. I now have progeny that, need, that like needs yeah. freedom and, and in like a healthy environment. So I think my perspective shifted a little bit and suddenly it became it became increasingly important to start convincing other people but i think that sometimes that resentment is really just seeded in deep animosity towards fellow human beings because it is frustrating it is frustrating to understand stuff and to still see people refusing to respond to argument and acting like children and doing insane things i mean imagine what it's like to be the one guy in communist soviet union who understands everything that's wrong and just watches everyone go crazy. That guy's got to be like, what the hell is wrong with humanity? Screw you all. I'm going to go drink and I screw it. I give up. Right. It's, it's, that's a tempting, that's a tempting mental state to get into. Um, it takes a lot of courage and will to be like, I'm going to fight this or I'm going to leave and fight it externally or whatever. Um, and so I'm not that harsh on those people. <laughs> uh, cause I get it. I get it. Uh, although maybe it is all about fame for that guy. I don't know. That's all it I is, well, I think it's just a resentment. And uh, what I would say to that person is you're responsible for your own life. And I would also say this right. to the people on the left who are sending me hate mail and saying I'm, I'm not a liberal and I've never been a social justice worker. From anonymous troll sock puppet accounts, too, I'm getting it on Instagram. You're responsible for your own life. Go directly to your wound because I can read you without knowing who you are. Right. If you're unsatisfied with something in your life and if you're unhappy about it, only you can change that. And you only you can have look the, the first step to self-respect might be might be to quit starting anonymous accounts so you can attack people in a cowardly fashion. It might be The internet has not been someone, good for this personality at all. <laughs> yes. Right, right. It might be to become someone who is confident in who they are and is confident that they're speaking what they believe to be true and who's willing to stand by their words that they post on the internet. That's a good first step. Yep. You know, you can choose today to say, 
I will not create anonymous sock puppet accounts if I'm going to attack someone to try and make myself feel better about my failures. I'm going to do it from my own name. Like, you should feel good about what you're doing, right? But you don't. Like, there's something at the end of the day, you might get this, you might get this temporary feeling, um, this, this dopamine rush or whatever, where you're like, I attacked that person I'm resentful towards and I feel better now. But it's gonna, it's very te- temporary. And at the end of the day, you still hate yourself. So why don't yeah. you become somebody that you don't hate, somebody that you're proud of? That's yeah. my advice to both of those kinds of people. Yeah. You know, my, my wife reminded me the other day that she has like a little blog on a Chinese website that's just like she grows orchids, right? So she has, I don't know, we've got a couple dozen orchids in in the house in various states of disrepair and <laughs> some blooming, some dead. Uh, and so she has like this little orchid blog. And like sometimes just people say, like anonymous random people just say the worst possible thing. Like... Ew, your leg was in the photo. It's ugly. Just random crap that's just like mean and horrible for no reason. Yeah. For no um, reason. For no yeah. reason. And uh, like it's it's a reminder that this is not just the social justice left. It's not just the ideologues on, on the right either. There's like there's just a lot of really unhappy people in the world who love to just get online and take it out on whomever they think is – Enjoying their orchids or doing a podcast and having yeah. fun or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Enjoying the orchids. Yeah. Oh, which reminds me. Okay, one one other last quick kind of comment. And I sure. only saw one of these, but let me state this clearly. Someone said, oh, this is in response to one of the stories we're going to talk about in a second. But I can go ahead and say what this comment was. Okay. This person um, – said that because I was making comparisons between social justice ideology and Nazism, um, that, that it was actually, it was actually communism or they, I guess they meant Marxism. It's actually common, more like communism and Marxism, which by the way, I agree with, but there are similarities to Nazism. And if you don't see them, I question why you can't see that. And I found out why this person can't see them because this person is, is an anti-Semite. This person ended up in their comments, <laughs> posting stuff about the communists and jewelry, they use the word jewelry, and I was like, "That's a red okay, flag." Okay, well, here's the, yeah, here's the thing. I can't respect someone that uses a term like that any more than I can respect a Marxist who uses a term like white privilege or male privilege or you know toxic whiteness or whatever. I can't respect that, and I'm not one of those people who believes that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. No. I think you're sick. If, if you're a white supremacist or if you're um, an anti-Semite, I mean, I, I think you you suffer from the same sickness as social justice Marxists. You've, you've bought into that idea we talk about where they try and say there's only two options. You're either with the racist collectivists over here or the racist collectivists over here. Don't know. I, I'm not with either of you guys. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is why we talk about individualism versus collectivism and authoritarianism authoritarianism versus individualism on a scale, right? That's the scale. Uh, Yeah. I don't – it's always been curious to me why people like to distinguish between the far left and the far right because they're – they go so far around the circle that it's like, what, do you want to live under Stalin or Hitler? I don't know. Neither. Neither. (laughs) Like, like, which, by the way, under both I would not live, so I, I would live under neither. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I can't agree more. By the way, someone really quickly in chat, and then we'll do some super chats, but someone did say, this is why they don't want us having kids. And I think that's true. Actually, I think that actually is partly true. I think there's a bunch of reasons to not have kids, that, that they would incentivize you to not have kids. But um, not having kids, and look, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Uh, I, I have always been into philosophy, so it's not like I haven't been thinking about big issues and long-term stuff kind of generally. But my emotional motivation for the long-term success of humanity did change when I had a child. did. Um, and I think that's probably biology. It makes a lot of sense evolutionarily why that would matter. And if you look at um, the left generally, uh, the left is a lot of the, the ideas behind the left are based on a lack of caring about long-term consequences. Even something as trite or as seemingly unrelated as Keynesian economics, right? Kane, which is Which is the system that the left needs in order to push all their programs. It's like, spend money, spend money with like, there's no tomorrow, which is going to keep, you know, keep taking the heroin and not worry about paying the bills ever. Uh, that system, Keynes specifically said, someone said to Keynes, hey, uh, what, like, eventually the drugs won't run out and we got to pay the bill. That's going to be a tough day, right? It's going to be devastating. And you know what his response was? Eh, we're all dead in the end. Eh. We're all dead in the end anyway. We don't care. Right? So the the, the left's, yeah, the, the left is built on philosophy that does not consider long-term implications um, and explicitly. And so I think actually not having children does make you more vulnerable. I'm not, I mean, obviously you are not vulnerable and you don't have any kids, but like it, it is a, it's a reason why I would, I would say there's two reasons why they don't want you to have kids. One is you can't produce as much money so they can't tax you as much. So that's not good. Uh, and two is, uh, and two is it makes you care about long-term consequences. And actually families with children tend to like, when, when women get married and have kids, their voting tends to shift to the right. That just happens. So of course the left hates them. Of course they do. Um, you know, they're all about, give me the resources until they're married and it's their family's resources and they're the ones providing the resources. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, I need the resources for my kids. <laughs> do you know what social justice warriors say about that? Because no, I used to believe say? this. and this is, They say that when talking about white women, they say once white women have become married, that they're basically sleeping. It's like they're sleeping with the oh, enemy, sleeping with the enemy. and that they benefit. That. They benefit from the patriarchal system. Right. Right. And that's why they become more conservative, because it's a bad thing to be conservative and it's a, but it, but they do this bad thing because they're benefiting from this bad evil system now that they're sleep, literally sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. You know, oh God, I know we need to get super taxed, but sorry, this is reminding me of something else, which isn't even on my list of something to talk about, but it's interesting. And I want to throw it out there. Uh, a way to think about humans, not the only way, not strict, like this is not strict categories. But there's a there's a way to think about humans. Um, you know what RK selection theory is in biology, I assume. Well, yeah. Carrie probably does. But for everyone else <laughs> uh, who's not Carrie, um, in in the animal kingdom, you uh, sexual re sexually reproductive animals tend to be split into R and K reproductive strategies. Our strategies are based on basically ubiquitous resources. There's never an end to resources. There's unlimited resources. So uh, a typical example of an R reproductive strategy is a rabbit. Um, rabbits kind of like, there's never, there's never ending grass. There's never ending stuff to eat. 
Um, and the reason it's never ending um, for rabbits in their case is like they're subject to a lot of predation, right? Like an owl can swoop down and pick them up or whatever. There's a lot of predators. So their population is kept uh, below, well below the, um, the, the max level for the resources that could sustain the population. And so the best reproductive strategy genetically is actually to have a lot of kids, is to have a lot of kids non-monogamously, not invest any energy in the kids, doesn't matter, because they're gonna get randomly eaten by hawks or whatever anyway. <laughs> um, and, um, and they also tend to, to I think they have, um, they have a, they don't really worry too much about, like they're kind of, they go from like, not afraid of something that they should be, like not very cognizant to like over afraid of things, um, which I think has to do in humans with amygdala size, but it doesn't matter. Um, so that's kind of the R strategy. It's low investment in kids, but lots of kids, low investment in each one, no monogamy, no, no, no caring who the, the father is, no kind of, no bonding, no like uh, units. You don't see packs of rabbits that are like, have loyalty. If a rabbit's sitting there eating and, and, a, and an owl comes and grabs this buddy, he's like, eh, right, I'll go back to eating. Like they might run away a little bit so he doesn't get grabbed, but then go, like there's not like, no one cares. Wolves are the classic K where wolves are the opposite because they have, their uh, resources are constrained. There needs to be competition. And so uh, having a bunch of wolves and not investing any energy in the wolves means that none of your wolves are likely to survive because they're not gonna be good enough to, to compete for resources and get them. And so it's better to have fewer and invest a lot of time and energy in, in your offspring so that they can achieve, they can compete well and get the resources, right? Um, and, and then survive. And that ends up, you, you end up with loyalty and packs and you end up with, uh, uh, more, more relative monogamy and, and like a family unit that, that care, cause this is, it's resource intensive to raise a, a, a kid or a pup. Broadly that you can classify humans by that. And I think there's obviously not distinctly, there's like overlaps, but humans seem to be able to adapt to either one. And uh, sometimes a good way to think about people is not on the political spectrum, but on along the RK uh, spectrum and to think, okay, these people are R. And the way that I've often looked at the left, especially even, even sometimes the classical, well, not classical liberals, but even, even more you know, liberals from 10, 20 years ago, they operate under an assumption that resources are plentiful and there's never any there's never any shortage. So if if someone says, hey, Carrie, give up some of your resources to this other person, and you say, no, you're viewed as a jerk because why wouldn't you? Resources are easy to obtain. They're ubiquitous. You have as many as you want. Only a jerk would say no because you could just get more and they're all around. Whereas a K reacts to that and says, no, 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 these are my resources. I had to compete to earn them and work hard for them. Like this, this doesn't make any sense. And so um, I, often, I often view, uh, Again, not exclusively, but I often like to overlay the RK reproductive strategy on the human population and look to see where people fall because sometimes it's actually quite informative to look and say, oh, this is kind of our reproductive strategy behavior. This is the mentality. It's endless resources. We don't care about the family unit. We don't care about raising kids. We don't care about it. Like, doesn't matter versus, hey, there's competition and limited resources and we do want a lot of investment in our kids and... Um, I, I think I think for me becoming a parent, I wasn't totally R, but 
but I became a little bit more K when I <laughs> became Barrett. And was like some K genes got activated, and I was like, oh, I need to, I need to invest in this child. Um, anyway, that was a, a long. Well, I just want to take the opportunity to show you a bit of geek geekiness for any okay. primate lovers, because I like the RK. I mean, so I was a biological anthropology major. I did my certificate in primatology at Duke University, and I worked at the Primate Center, which is now called the Lemur Center, I think. So we had only prosimian primates, um, lemurs, lorises, bush babies, tarsiers. We had no monkeys or apes. And there's so many different kinds of lemur species. I can really geek out on them. They're Because they all evolved on an island, it's, it's so interesting. It's like that sideways evolution. Anyway, this is this is a rough lemur. These are, there's two different kinds. There's the black and white rough lemur and the red rough lemur. Okay. Hey, they're more like, there are. And, there and are? you can see they even look, they look are. They have litters like cats and dogs. Okay. And babies at a time. They're primates who have litters. And they don't invest a lot of time with them. Their gestation period is very short. And then, and, the, and like you said, it's, they have a lot and you hope that one survives and you don't invest a lot of time. You just have a lot of them. Right. Then this, on the other end of the spectrum, this lemur is called a shafak. I love a this. Wait, show, show it closer. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. You might recognize this if you have kids because one of our um, cockerel shafaks was used in the show Zaboomafu, if you have kids that watch that show. But um, the cockerel shafak is more evolved. It's more like a monkey. Um, it's not a monkey. It's still a lemur. But um, they only have one offspring at a time. The gestation period is much longer. They invest all of their time and energy into that one offspring. Um, and so, anyway, if you're a primate nerd, <laughs> whenever I hear R and K, I think it's great I think to be of, a primate nerd. Yeah, I think of the rough lemurs, and then I think of the shafox. You know, Carrie, uh, I went. I forgot that you were uh, you had a degree in this and worked in this field. I went. I went down like a Sue Savage rumba rat hole like at one period of my life where I just like read all of her stuff about Kanzi and like I find all of it super fascinating primates are super fascinating <laughs> because they're so uh they're so like us in some ways uh I just I feel like we can really learn a lot about our innate instincts uh yeah yeah, yeah it's it's and if you guys have never been I haven't been in a while um so I don't know what it's like now but I used to work at the Duke Primate Center you guys should visit it it's a ton of fun. We were doing, um, we were doing reintroduction into the wild. So we were, we were, uh, um, just a behavioral research facility. We only did behavioral research. We didn't do any medical or invasive research. And we also were breeding endangered species of lemurs in captivity to try and reintroduce them into the wild. And so we had a lemur boot camp in the forest where we were teaching them how to forage and stuff. We'd put them out there and they had they had all these things where they would like put the food in a bucket and put it up in the tree to teach them how to go and find the food. Right. And yeah. so they're not just in like this little cage all the time. And, um, anyway, this book, if this book, if you are interested, is called primates, it's a photography Ooh. art book. There you go. Put it in front of your uh, face. Primates, we're here. Well, hold on. The amazing world of lemurs, monkeys, and apes. I'll do this. There we go. And it's beautiful photos. This guy, art wolf, it's, it's photos and it goes through, all of the primate groups, it goes through persimians and then into monkeys and apes as well. It's really interesting. Honestly, Carrie, like <laughs> well, I, I'm such a Thank nerd that I feel like, hey, we were a knitting podcast for a while. Maybe we can be a primates podcast for a little while because 
Uh, I totally, I would, if you want to lecture us on primate biology, I will listen all day long. Uh, I think it's super cool. Um, so cool. Well, we should do a primate podcast one day. Cause I have a lot, a lot of, yeah, you should totally teach yeah. us. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, we should do okay. some super chats cause we've got okay. a lot piling up and I know Ninja Kitty gets okay. mad when we let them pile up. So why bother says, gives us five euros and says, hello, fellow wrong thinkers. Hello. Why bother? Welcome. And also welcome to the new members. We forget we're growing so quickly that we should probably every show welcome new people because there are a lot of people that yeah. are watching. And so welcome new people. thank you for watching and welcome. Uh, now, now you can watch me scroll. Okay. Next one. Uh, let's see. Allison Lorraine Nitz. Carter, explain your sign, please. Oh yes. The sign behind me. Actually, it's hard to read on the screen. It actually says brown, and there's a little heart face, like an icon with hearts in the, for eyes, and then orange, and it's a crying icon, and then QED. Uh, <laughs> this is my summary of what the Democratic Party has become, because, and we, we can get into this later if you want, but uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris, I'm not a progressive. Read progressive articles about her. They hate her. She is not a progressive. Kamala Harris is not anything that they claim to stand for, anything that they want. Uh, but uh, the Democratic Party has become so devoid of ideas <laughs> that their literal, their, their literal strategy is brown, good, orange man, bad. And then QED is just what you write at the end of like a mathematical proof or whatever. It's Latin for, uh, I don't know, quad, erat, demonstrate something. I don't know. I don't know Latin. Um, but it means, you know, uh, this is what was meant to be shown or whatever, and we, and we showed it. So uh, this is just my shortcut for, in case you're curious, that's what I think the Democratic Party is uh, all about now. Uh, that's, their, that's, their, that's their platform. Found you're good. right, though, that the actual progressives are not happy about this at all. No, I've I been mean, reading progressive articles about yeah. uh, her, and they don't, oh, you know what I forgot to do in my horrible... Uh, job as a producer there's our logo Woohoo! okay um blackbeard blackbeard sends us five bucks and says carrie why do sjw's and the left have such a blind spot to unintended consequences um because well that's a good question uh i, I think it's they're not taught to to look at consequences and see if they're behavior or actions or policies actually lead to what they they claim to want they're just not taught to do it it's almost it's weird because you know they contradict themselves a lot right so on the one hand they push this idea that intent doesn't matter they say this if you say something like karen templer in the yarn the sjw mm, um yep. knitting community who said uh she was so excited to go to india and it was so you know, far out a possibility that when she got to go, it was like winning a trip to Mars. Well, they said that's racist to say that. And if you say, well, I didn't intend it to be racist, what I intended to say was that it's such a one in a million chance. It's like winning a trip to Mars. It doesn't seem possible for me. I didn't right. mean anything racist by it. They say your intent doesn't matter. It's it's the person receiving it, receiving what you're saying, it's it's what they interpret that matters. So if they think it's racist, it's racist. If they think it's sexist, it's sexist. 
well, that's a load of crap. Right. They, they, <laughs> your intent does, yeah. yeah, your intent does matter. But on the flip side, so they say intent doesn't matter. But then on the other, on the flip side, they also push the idea that intent is all that matters when it comes to their beliefs. Like it, it, there's this, I, as long as they um, can tell you that they believe they're pushing for ending racism and sexism and for making the world a better place. It's this weird inability to look at rationally. I think it's maybe because they don't, I mean, they don't, they attack logic and reason and rationality and they attack objectivity. But they haven't always so attacked logic and reason and rationality and they've always failed to look at unintended consequences. I, I think the way I've viewed them is that they, they do look at consequences, but they look at the immediate emotional consequences. That's it. The, the, like what makes us feel good about ourselves now? The end. Yeah. That is that that's their consequence scope. They don't they don't have a they don't have the ability to do something that feels bad now but is good in the long run. They they have a very difficult time decoupling what f it feels like the right thing to do versus what actually is the right thing by like empirically and rationally. I don't know why that is. Do you know why that is? Uh, but I don't know why that is. No, but, you know, it's worth observing that that's what they do. But, yeah, they never look at things like, okay, for example, women today self-report being, on average, being unhappier hmm. than they were just like four or five decades ago. Okay, so why is that? Well, there's probably a lot of different reasons, but they won't even look at that. They can't look at the consequences of things, and it, it's it's like you're just not supposed to. Well, for example, like fatherlessness in American homes in general, but specifically in Black American homes, because it's been um, disproportionately well, increasing there. That. Yeah, they hate you for pointing that out. You can't even figure out why it's happening because you're not even supposed to observe these consequences. So you can't figure out what, what are these consequences of? Can we figure that out? No, because you can't even look at the fact, right? Yep. It's kind of crazy. Well, and, and, and Kimberly Crenshaw would argue that holding the black family to standards of what white families should be is in itself racist, right? I mean, I think she wrote that in 1989, right? She, like, because she was complaining about uh, Daniel Moynihan's report on the black family, and she like wrote about, hey, look, uh, stop holding black women to the standards of white women and black families to the standards of white families. It's like, all right, but, you know, there are that's consequences right. to this behavior. Like, you want to call it white standards, that's pretty insulting to the black community, but okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's let's uh, let's do some more Super Chats, Carrie. Do you see Andrew Joyner's or do you want me to read it? I don't see that one yet. I can't okay. scroll Andrew Joyner gives us five pounds and says, just saw an old vid with Carrie called Wreck This Journal. Carrie looks so much better now after recovering from her long SJW phase, just saying. <laughs> That's not me. Oh. That's not, not me. That's the other that. Carrie Smith. That's actually, that's this Carrie Smith. She sent me her book. Uh, it's a, Does she look anything like, like you? I don't. Well, we're both white women. <laughs> All look same. All look same. But that's not me. That's a different Carrie Smith. But I like her book. She does like crafty, artsy kind of books. 
or teaching you to be more creative. All right. Well, you still look great, regardless of the fact that you didn't used to look like the other. Thank you. All right. Mandy. (laughs) Mandy gives us five bucks and says, is there any Democratic politician whom you respect right now? Who and why? That's more of a Kerry question, I think. Kerry? I respect Tulsi Gabbard. I was hoping you were going to say her. Yeah, okay. And that's that's who I voted for in the primaries this year. Um, I just actually went back and watched her exchange with Kamala Harris during the debates. Yep. It's really good to go refresh your memory. I think Jimmy Dore posted about that recently, too, who's a, he's a real progressive. You know, she destroyed her or you know, p- pointing out what she actually what she says she's going to do and how she says she's for the common man. Um, but then what she actually did as district attorney, attorney general. Which well, she was it? DA attorney in general. San Francisco, DA in Oakland and attorney general of California. So she did a lot. All of it. Um, and I think I voted for her. But anyway, um, I like Tulsi. Uh, she's anti-interventionist. She's anti-war. She's a veteran. She doesn't play this social justice ideology game. She doesn't seem beholden to it. I think she's sincere. I had a lot of reasons why I I wanted her to get further along than she did. But if you notice, if you notice, the Democratic elite and the, the legacy media did not want her to get further ahead. And they attacked her relentlessly. And all of my SJW friends and former friends attacked her, attacked her relentlessly the same way they attacked Trump. They spread falsehoods about her, which is dishonest engagement. Right. And, but and anyway, I like coincidentally, her. Hillary Clinton hates her. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. I'm just, you know, mentioning it. Okay. Uh, Samantha Collins, Samantha Collins gives us 10 bucks and says, Carrie, I am asking in good faith because I assume that being sensitive to SJW rhetoric may make comedy difficult. Do you find your comedians funny or do you think you would find them funny today? That's a great question. I actually was talking about this recently with a friend. Um, I did legitimately find them funny at the time. Uh, some of them, not not all of them. There were social justice comedians I did not find funny. And I could not work with them because I still wanted to be able to find you funny <laughs> in order to promote you. Even if you're saying everything I agree with and you don't make me laugh, I didn't take you on. Um, with one notable exception that I was kind of forced to do. But anyway, uh, the... <laughs> The, the comedians I worked with did make me laugh. And now I think a lot of what I laughed at then I would not laugh at now, but some of it I still would. So um, I used to work with, here's a, here's a joke that I still think is funny. Even if I don't agree with it, it doesn't, ha- you don't have, it's funny. Um, w. Kamel Bell, he's a huge social justice comedian now. Um, I worked with him for many years and sold two TV shows with him. Um, he had this joke when I first started working with him and he was just, nobody knew who he was at the time. And I was so enamored because it was like, this comedian's pushing my ideology or we agree on all this stuff. Plus he makes me laugh a lot. And I was trying to think objectively, would I still find his comedy funny today? And some of it I would. Here's a joke he would tell. He would say, um, black people invented all music, all forms of music. And then, and then he would say, you don't agree with me? Name, name something. And people would say like country. And then he would have, uh, he would have a slideshow already prepared and he would say, no, no, black people invented country music. I can prove it. And then he would show a mathematical equation that says country music equals the blues 
minus slavery. (laughs) (laughs) And that still makes me laugh. But, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of comedians started, started trying to become social justice comedians once it became in vogue and it became dominant. And, um, a lot of those comics I think are not funny because they're just aping it, you know? Yeah. They're just trying to put it on so they can get attention and, and they're genuinely not funny about it. So I don't know. I guess it depends on the comedian. Anyway, that was a long answer, but no, that's a good answer. Um, all right. Eagle flight farm. Eagle flight farm gives us 1499 and says we've, thank you Eagle. Uh, we've worked weeks in 107 degree heat index to get petition SIGs to recall mayor and several city council, city council, national news, Ari Norman. Okay. Got mayor and at least two counselors. They went crazy. People say no joy. That is a lot of stuff packed into one particular comment that I'm not sure I can untangle in real time. Uh, Oh, wait, I can go ahead. So they've worked, they've worked their butts off in the heat Right, in right. order to get petition signs to recall the mayor and several of their city council members. Right, but where? Um, this is in Norman, Oklahoma. They got the mayor recalled oh, and uh, at okay. least two counselors. Uh, those people they got recalled went crazy. And um, and the, they say, jo- anyway, this person's joyful. Eagle it, Fly Farm it. is joyful. Woohoo! Norman Oak, <laughs> I, I read as Norman OK. And so I was like, where is this? It's Oklahoma. Okay. Norman, Oklahoma. All right. Tomsky999 gives us five pounds. No comment. Thank you, Tomsky. Thank uh, you. Blackbeard. Good old Blackbeard. Blackbeard's been around since, like, the beginning, everyone. Blackbeard's yeah. OG. Uh, OG Blackbeard. Blackbeard gives us 499 and says, Have you seen the weird Twitter attacks on Pence? He bad, he's a bad guy now because he's nice to his wife and wants her at dinners with other women. Uh, I haven't seen those recently, but I do remember that argument, and I think I even talked about it in the context of meetings with women in Silicon Valley, because before I left the venture firm that I was running um, to start this show, uh, I would say maybe, a, I don't know, a year before, I don't know, the last year or so that we did it, we had a rule that if there was a, if there was a woman, someone else needed to be in the room. We weren't allowed to have meetings with women uh, by ourselves, um, and the reason... Well, it wasn't sexism or misogyny or anything. It was, we don't want to get sued. Uh, and in a, in a world, and, or not even, you don't even have to get sued. In a world in which an accusation is, enough. is death for your business, you need a witness. You need someone else there. You need something that, that uh, makes it difficult for an accuser to just make crap up about you. And so um, I'm sure that that's, continuing to happen at other companies and uh and mike pence's i don't know what he i think he has more of a religious here's, basis for it but still i get it but here's what's interesting it's what we talked about with horseshoe theory again they criticize mike pence for having this rule for for um not wanting to take meetings alone with women for whatever his reasons are which happen to be religious based they criticize that but then after the Me Too movement, they've come full circle to that same place, that same place where women and you're not the only person I've heard. Of, I've heard of people. I've heard people talking about this in real life, how they're no longer taking meetings along with women because 
we we went to this insane place of believe all women and you know no due process and the accusation itself is enough to ruin people and cancel culture and all that we right. took things too far yeah like like social justice always does and so it's so weird because they attacked pence for that and now they've created that same well i mean circumstance. Look, I, they've created it i can i can make arguments about things as benign as the civil rights act of 1964 having a opposite of the intended effect like if you don't think about how your laws and rules change incentives uh you're doing a disservice to the people that you think you uh or that you're claiming to support and you know we talked about the unintended consequences before one thing that happens i think for people who are who do look at uh consequences and who don't just look at the emotional the immediate emotional consequences to a decision they look at the people who are pushing this stuff and it's hard to imagine someone who can't see the rational consequences. And so they often ascribe like really deep nefarious conspiracy stuff to them. Like, oh, they're pushing this because they know the bad consequences. They actually are. And it's actually very difficult to distinguish between someone who is actually maybe super evil and knows what they're doing and someone who's just like, I have an inability to predict anything about consequences in the future. Yeah. Like it's hard sometimes to tell the difference between those two. Tell the difference. Yeah. All right. Next super chat. Why bother? Why bother gives us 10 euros and says when you are redefining sensitive terms, atrocities happen. Russian media calling Ukraine fascist at the same time, annexing Crimea <laughs> and creating modern day, uh, Sudets in Western Ukraine. Just saying, well, uh, redefining terms is always cover for something. Right, you're redefining terms because the existing language would condemn morally what you're about to do. So that's why you redefine terms, right? The social justice warriors don't redefine racism as prejudice plus power because there's some intrinsic need to redefine it. They redefine it because they're about to be racist by the old definition, and they need to like, they need some cover. So like, that's why you redefine words. It's not, it's not random redefinition of words. It's because <laughs> I'm about to do a bad thing. I'm about to kill someone. Uh, let's redefine murder right before I do. Ah, like, okay, I didn't murder. New, new definition, right? Like, that's that's what they do. That's what they do always. That's why they redefine words. So, and they're not alone in this. Totalitarian governments figured that out a long time ago. You, you redefine words. Uh, another one from Tomsky999. Thank you, Tomsky999. Oh, I got this one. Is this okay. I'm sharing your article? Uh, hold on, let me find it so I can pull it up on screen. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sharing your article with long-term Democratic friends of mine who are starting to open up to the idea that they don't agree with the party anymore. Yes, good. That's who I wrote it for, is long-term Democrats and liberals like myself who maybe think, and I hear from people all the time who are who say, I thought I was crazy, or I thought it was me, but thank you, it's not me. I'm like, yes, and I know that feeling because I know when I realized I wasn't crazy and it wasn't just me, it was a relief to say, oh, lots of people, lots of people feel this way. So yeah, good. Share it with those people who you in your life who you think have started to suspect there's something wrong going on on the left but who maybe are afraid. Share it with those people. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, look, you don't have to turn into a, a right winger. Look at Carrie. She's not a right winger. 
No. She didn't change. But they'll call me that. They'll call me that. That's okay. (laughs) All right. You want to read Mary Little's? Yeah, let's see. Mary Little. I recognize your name. Hi, Mary. Mary Little says, Terry Gross on NPR used lynching to describe the locations where black people died at the hands of police for any reason. I was so offended. Yeah, that's weird because, again, this is where they contradict themselves. They they say that we can't use uh, the word lynching. They, they simultaneously say we can't use the word lynching to describe something happen, something figurative. Like, like you can't say it was a modern day lynching. They don't, they say that you, you can't use that term, but then they do use the term. It's, it's because they want to protect the power that that word has. They get to use it when they want to use it. Right. But they, they will tell you, you can never use it or even witch hunt. They don't like the word witch hunt. They don't like you using that because it accurately describes what they're doing, but they'll use it. Which is a protected class. (laughs) They're women. Oh, witches are women. Well, I, some of them are, that's for sure. All right. Um, v. Parker, do you want to read V. Parker's? Uh, yeah, V. Parker. Carrie, I have the highest respect for you. Well, thank you. These are crazy times. Have you thought about writing a book on your story mm-hmm. and SJW movement? Yes, I am working on a book. Thank you for, you guys should check in with me periodically to light a fire under my bum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she needs some reminders to get to her writing, I'm sure. Uh, oh god thank you for asking why bother oh man sleeping with the enemy is the most hilarious shooting yourself in the foot rhetoric i've ever heard yeah it is well sleeping with the enemy it, i don't know it's just such so many things wrong with that phrase um but very good movie uh tatiana fisk hi tina happy friday love the woke church episode and i was honored that you mentioned the book i sent you carrie Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I for, in that episode with um, Tim Dukeman, I had forgotten the name of the book, and I can't, I, I'm not sure where it's at. I think it's in one of my bags. Um, it's called Everywhere Present. Tina sent me this book. It's a great short little read. It's called Everywhere Present, um, something about Christianity and a one-story world, and it's a great book. It's by a guy named Stephen Freeman. I think it's his name, Stephen with a P-H. And yeah, for any Christians in the audience who are interested, check it out. Uh, By the way, I'm, I'm I'm uh, I'm remembering now that we should thank uh, Andrew Joyner and Tax Terra for super chats that happened during Tim Dukeman's premiere yesterday. Uh, thank you guys. I don't have what those super chats were, but oh, uh, thank you. Uh, shout out. Thank you very um, much. All right, next one is Tomsky nine ninety nine. Do you want to read it, Carrie? I was in a meeting with our executive team and someone asked about Black Lives Matter. The response was, we want an equal company based on meritocracy. And I was like, yes. Well, that's nice. cool. Uh, that sounds like a, um, <laughs> that that it's, it's deviating from the norm of what's been happening right now. So that's awesome. Tomsky 999, I, guess they have I a- bet. I bet it was not a publicly traded company. I bet it's privately held. But I could be wrong. I'm curious if you say in chat, Ninja Kitty will tell me the answer. Also, I would guess that they haven't successfully been able to float the idea at your company yet that meritocracy is bad, which is an idea they're trying to float. Yeah. Meritocracy um, is uh, white patriarchy, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Kathy Coleman. Thank you, Kathy. Gave, gave us $10 super chat. And she says there are three basic groups of people, those you love and admire, people who mistreat you, and people 
that you'll never hear about or meet. Race and gender, et cetera, do not matter. People's actions do. I absolutely agree with you, Kathy. Um, but, you know, this is this is why I oppose my old belief system is because they say, first and foremost, that race and sex and all these things are what matters most. And they're not. You're, they oppose individualism, which is what you say in your last sentence, that people's actions matter. They oppose that. They oppose Martin Luther King's ideal of treating people and judging people on the basis of their character. They oppose that. They, they say we should judge and treat people on the basis of their race and sex. Well, I don't, I'm not down with that. So in 2020, it's surprising that you need to say that, but yes, it is surprising that we need to say that. I would not growing up in the eighties. I would not have guessed that, Hey, when I'm in my mid forties, there will be, you'll need to mention that you don't like judging people on basis of race and sex. Like that will be a thing that distinguishes you from the population at large. But, uh, apparently it is. Yeah. Apparently this is, uh, we're. Playing this out in history again. Yeah, interesting. You want to read Tatiana? You do the you do the next. One. I lost it. Uh, Tatiana, you say uh, thank you, Tatiana Fisk. She says uh, she gives us two bucks and says for talking about primates. Heart, yes. <laughs> thank you. Cool. Uh, Why bother? Gives us five euros and says I love lemurs. Been to Madagascar last year and interacted with them a lot. Even took a photo uh, oh. with one in my hand on my head. <laughs> Looks like a mohawk. That's nice. awesome. Nice. I'm going to tell you one quick aside since you love lemurs. This is a funny story a that I'm going story? to write down one day. Okay. Yeah. So one of the employees at our primate center had created this homemade lemur costume, like a big head and it was furry and everything. And to entertain kids, cause we did tours. I was a tour guide there and it was kind of, it looked like a homemade costume. It was pretty cool, but it looked homemade. Anyway, Connie Chung came to the primate center one day with her child while Mari Povic was playing at the Duke golf tournament. And they made me put on the costume after giving a tour, put on the costume and come hopping out and interact with her and her kid who cried because he was scared. And it was just super awkward. There's a lot of awkward things about it. <laughs> One day I have nice. to write this story down. Anyway, <sighs> that's, that's happened. But that lemur center, again, anybody who's in North Carolina, definitely go check it out. I've never been in Madagascar. I would love to go. But if you can't make it to Madagascar, you can see many different species of lemurs there, even nocturnal ones. They have a whole nocturnal house. All right. You want to read Richard Petz? I can't see it. Uh, I'll read Richard Petz. It's in Latin, and I don't know Latin. It says, Ot vium, I'm sorry for butchering this, Ot vium in venium ot facium. I looked it up, though. Is anybody? Oh, you did? I looked it up and it means I shall either find a way or make one. So I really like it and I should, it makes me want to learn Latin, I guess. It's a, it's a cool phrase. Uh, but I, yeah, sorry, I can't read, can't read Latin. Thank you, Richard. I recognize your Siamese cat picture. I know QED from math. <laughs> Most of the, any Greek or Latin I know comes from <laughs> sciences, not from being a, a Latin scholar. Okay, why bother? Gives us 10 euros and says, speaking of intent, a couple months ago I had a conversation on offense. I managed to turn every single statement in conversation as offensive to me. I was, I surprised myself. Uh, uh, apparently it's that easy. <laughs> yeah, I think the, playing their game is quite simple. Uh, they're not like, th these aren't, 
it's just not like an intellectually challenging exercise to be a social justice warrior. Uh, it, it is a quite, it's quite a simple game. All right. Let's see, scrolling, scrolling. Man, sorry, we're so behind on chats today. I know. I tried you to guys, not be behind, but it just didn't chat. work. And also, I think we cracked 400 people watching. I think that might be a record. Oh, welcome. Anyway, welcome. Tomsky999 gives us uh, five pounds and says, remember the days of innocent until proven guilty? Them were the days. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tomsky. <laughs> Them were the days. Them were the days. I I don't I'm... remember expecting those days to end anytime soon, but uh, I failed on that prediction. That's for sure. Oh, by the way, I'm feeling better about uh, Kamala Harris being picked by Biden because she was the she was the one I thought the Democrats would pick anyway, and I was totally wrong about it. But I kind of feel semi vindicated that. Oh, they got a plan for her. She's there. Biden will just step aside and, and she'll be the. Oh, yeah. I think she's their so plan. Too. She's yeah. their plan. Okay. Why bother? Uh, gives why us, bother oh. says, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm a senior engineer and I mentor a bunch of people. I'm accepting requests to mentor a woman only, only from the ones who I actually trust on a personal level. Yeah, that's what we're saying. It, it, that's what it's come to is because of, because of our culture accepting this very flawed idea that you must believe women because of their sex. Well, mm -hmm. now we're in a place where we no longer believe in the idea of innocent until proven guilty and accusations themselves are enough to ruin somebody. So yeah, men are afraid to be alone with a woman these days or to mentor a woman or sometimes even to hire a woman. I saw somebody say that in the chat that, that people are even afraid of hiring women now. Sure, and because if they, sucks. if they suck, you can't fire them. And sometimes women are not good at their jobs, just like sometimes men are not good at their jobs. And if you can't fire them, you're stuck with them forever. And by, and yeah. why bother? I also, I also, I stopped mentoring, uh, I stopped mentoring female founders of startups. Um, don't know Christopher why. Robin. I mean, I know why, but you know there why. you go. Christopher, Christopher Robin has uh, a great name and he says, Epic medium post, legendary. Also, can you start a reading list beginning with the books mentioned at the end of your Pinochet video? You guys rock. Uh, we do have a book club. If you're new here, I'll just plug it again. We, You can go to unsafespace.com and go to the book club page and you can see all the books we've already read along with videos of all the discussions we've had. We're currently reading Atlas Shrugged. We tend to jump back and forth between fiction and nonfiction. We're currently reading Atlas Shrugged. That discussion is going to be on Sunday the 23rd. But yes, in addition to all those book, book club books, we should just do a list of ones that we recommend and ones that we yeah. want to maybe read in the future. That would be cool. Yeah, it's that's something we'll I've add, been wanting to do. Yeah. I have my own little list because I'm plowing through books generally, and uh, I just don't ever put them online. I don't like I don't put them online, but we probably we probably should. We should probably categorize them. I think just so much. Yeah. We'll just we'll we we're gonna make a commitment to flesh out that book book club page a okay. little bit. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. And by the way, as a reminder, um, we do um, Ninja Kitty, who's one of the moderators in chat here, does post a comment with links after each episode, um, and that comment gets pinned. So um, if there's information that you think we mentioned, or someone in chat mentioned that you don't see in the show description. 
Um, although I try and put most of the stuff that we mentioned in the show description, but if, if there's something that's missed, it's likely in Ninja Kitty's pinned comment. So um, go look at that. Richard Petz says, thank you, Richard, gives us uh, five bucks and says, socialism is a philosophy of failure, the, greed of, the creed of ignorance and the gospel of envy. Its inherent virtue is the equal sharing of misery. Uh, when, is that, I assume Winston Churchill said that. Winston Churchill? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. That's Socialism. a great quote. This is I one have... of the things that I mentioned, actually, um, I think yesterday, uh, there was a comment on one of our videos about from each according to his need to each according, sorry, from each according to his ability to each according to his need was a good idea, but it just hasn't been implemented well. <laughs> no, it's not a good idea. It's not, it's a horrible idea. Um, it's a vile idea. It's anti-human. It's anti-life. It's, it's, it's fundamentally a totalitarian idea as such. Um, and that's all that's really needed to refute it. You don't need the communist body count. You just need to look at the idea and see what that means. Um, it, incentivizes, uh, it incentivizes need. It disincentivizes ability. It presumes that taking from one person to redistribute to another person by violent force is somehow a moral act. It's a vile, I, I hate when people say like, it looks good on paper, but it doesn't work in reality. It doesn't look good on paper. If it doesn't work in reality, you're not looking at the paper properly. <laughs> like read the paper. It doesn't work on paper. It doesn't work. Uh, it's a bad idea. All right, Roderick Cook. Roderick Cook, I'll read this one. This is Carrie, did you check out Anna Breeze? What do you think? No, thank you for reminding me to do so. I remember you from the last Super Chat. Uh, Anna Breeze is a journalist. We looked her up, but no, I haven't checked her out yet. Just be patient with me. A lot of, my, all of my inboxes across platforms are full of messages right now, things to read and to watch, and they're all great. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. I, I like when people send me stuff, so thank you, especially when it's stuff I don't know. So just give me, give me some time to get through my list. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, you want to read Kent? Uh, let's see. Kent. Hi, Kent. He says, no question this time. I'm just really happy that your show grew so greatly. Really happy to have found you so early in the run. It's a great community. Kent is OG, too. And yeah, Kent is OG. He makes he, he makes me smile. Thank you, Kent. Um, I can't see the next one, so you do it. Okay. Next one is from John, John Solheid, Solheid, sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he says, Carrie, that was a really nice piece about why you are voting for Trump, spot on about the liberal DNC, but why not Unity 2020 instead of Trump? Well, thank you for that question, because I had a couple people ask me when I thought of Unity 2020. So I, if you guys aren't familiar, this is something Brett um, Weinstein is put, putting forward, and talking about bringing together a candidate from the right and a candidate from the left. I like the idea. Carter doesn't. We don't have to go deep into it. I mean, we can, he can talk about it too, but I, I like the idea. It's just, if the election were held today, I have to, I have to, admit, I felt like I needed to just be honest with like, yeah, I pretty much decided if the election were today, I'm voting for Trump. Um, it doesn't mean that they're like, if, if, if unity 2020 materializes into a liberal candidate who I think has a shot, um, I will definitely consider it. I'll just put it that way. But I'm waiting to see what happens with that. And as of right now, my vote's going to Trump. So that's all. And I didn't want to, 
I was starting to feel like once I decided that I was thinking, well, why am I not saying that? Am I embarrassed? Am I right. afraid? And if I am, then I should get over it. So, right. I, I, I'm not going to rant about it because I have ranted on a previous Kofefi about Unity 2020 and it was my gut reaction. <laughs> I like read it like it was my literally it was the first time I was reading it live ranting about it. Oh, yeah. You really didn't like it. Yeah, I hate it. Um, but that my 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 big problem with Unity 2020 is I'm, I'm just immensely disappointed because um, we've been talking for years about what's actually wrong the ideology behind what's wrong like what is going on ideologically and brett weinstein better than anyone else should have a firm grasp of what's happening at the at the philosophical and cultural and ideological level and unity 2020 mentions nothing nothing about actually standing up to the bad ideology behind social justice it is silent it is a sophomoric, can't we just get along and Shangri-La hold hands? Can't we just sing Kumbaya and hold hands and have some kind of compromise? I don't think, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed that someone who supposedly understands the culture war and understands the attack against Western civilization would propose something as, as milquetoast and benign and useless as suggesting that we kind of somehow hold hand the the right and left hold hands and come up with some candidate. It it ignores the fundamental I, problem that we've been talking about this entire time, and it makes me wonder: Does he even understand the problem? The problem is not we don't have a good candidate. That's not our problem. Our problem is the culture. That's there's a culture war. He was literally canceled from college. Unity Party won't fix that. He won't like the the, the experience that he had at Ever Evergreen is not fixed by Unity 2020 at all. So I, I, I'm just, so it's a, there's a deplorable lack of philosophy. That's my, I'll shut up. Well, now I feel like I have to. Sorry. And I just, I disagree with you. Now do I have well, to get into that? points to any I mean, philosophical statement think, in the platform. Well, that's the thing. I, didn't, I wasn't prepared to talk about this again. I don't have it in okay, front of okay. me. But I think what you're fundamentally wrong about is that not everybody has this. We can have the same goal and he can recognize the existential, the very real threat, actually, of this belief system on our culture. And and he can have a different he can think there's a better way of fighting it than you. And and that st you still have the shared belief about what's a threat here. His belief, sure. you may think it's wrong or whatever, but his belief is that this is going to be more productive, which is to try to bring people from the left and the right together. And to help them see, and I I applaud that because this is not a right or left crisis we're in anymore. It doesn't matter if you're right or left. Conservatives and liberals have a lot more in common than we do with social justice, Marxist, racist, collectivist extremists, and then we do with white supremacist, collectivist extremists. This over here happens to be the bigger threat right now, the social justice, Marxist, collectivist extremists. How do you get liberals to wake up and realize that's not liberalism. That big thing that's happening here on the left is not liberalism. How do you get them to do that? Well, he, he probably thinks that the better strategy is to help them see that we need unity and that we need to partner with someone who's a conservative. I think, I think he's probably thinking there's a lot of liberals who can't swallow voting for Trump 
we need to give them an option and maybe this thing will take off. Let's give them the option of taking someone from the left and the right and making this be about unity and coming together to, to fight this, to fight this ideology, coming together. That's what's good about it, I think. He's, it, is it idealistic? Yes. But I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Maybe they'll put together a viable ticket. I don't actually think it's idealistic. That's what I think. But, but, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's evil. I don't disagree with Brett. Like, if Brett understands all this and this is just a tactical decision, fine. I disagree with the tactics. That doesn't mean, like, he's my enemy and that Unity 2020 is my enemy. I just don't think it's a good idea tactically, right? And what, what you're talking about tactically, to me, would look more like someone saying, hey, this is about individualism versus authoritarianism. We reject the authoritarianism on both ends and we need to have individualist principles and hey, left and right, here are some individualist principles that you guys share together. Let's move the country in that direction and we can, ha we can kind of shift that little matrix from left and right to authoritarian and, and individualism and, and shift the conversation there. I, I like that. And it to me, from what I've read, and I've only read the, the one big post about it. So if there's more information, I don't have it. But I read the initial big post about it. And there was that language wasn't in there. It was it was very pragmatic and not principles based. And that's what bothered me about it. Does it mean it's evil? No, it just means I disagree with it. Tactically, that's all that has to be said about it. It's not, you know, that's all. All right. Sorry, any, anything else? I don't want to have the last word. If we you, could, uh, no, I mean, I don't want fine. to go down this battle hole again. Okay. I have more okay. thoughts, but we'll, okay. we'll be on this forever. That's fine. Uh, I like Unity 2020. Carter doesn't. It's okay if you right. agree with me or him or whatever. No, we're going to fight and hate <laughs> each other because we disagree on the tactics. Okay. Uh, Tomsky999, though, awesome super chat. Two pounds and says, I take offense at Why Bother's comment. If you recall, Why Bother's comment is how he takes offense at everything. So uh, I think you've been played, Why Bother. Tomsky999 wins. Do you want to read the next one, Carrie? Um, this, is, this is not a super chat, but Daniel Keene asks, if, is Carrie having public speaking nerves with, with so many watching? No, see, that's not how it works. I used to have nerves, actually, when I first started doing this with Carter. Um, I don't have them as often anymore. Sometimes I do. Mostly I don't. But speaking in front of a crowd of people, like actually who, where I can see all their faces and they're all standing there, that scares me. <laughs> so, but it's just a hurdle. I'll get past it. And then one day I won't be afraid of that anymore either. So that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, that day will be Saturday. You'll be over it. One of the reasons. Tomorrow, I'm doing you won't be afraid anymore. I <laughs> uh, probably still will be for a while. Um, okay, Tatiana Fisk. Hello, Tatiana. She gives us $10 and says, I just want to add that I love this community and I hope that we are making a bigger difference than even we know. Under truth and bring down authoritarianism. I hope that's true. I love you, Tatiana, and I think you're right. And I know that you're a fan of uh, the writing of Solzhenitsyn and Orwell and uh, the idea that like one word of truth can bring down a tyrannical authoritarian dictatorship. I believe that too. So... I'm also very glad that we have this growing community. You guys keep me, you keep me encouraged. So absolutely. Jordy Bouchner, Jordy Bouchner, quick reminder, Biden does not kill himself. <laughs> that would be very necessary if she were his running mate, but uh, I don't know. She's going to have to off a lot of people to get to get to do anything. I don't know. 
I do think it's possible uh, that uh, I do think it's possible that he'll step down or like if they were to win, I I think it's totally conceivable that he would step down and uh, like decide oh health reasons, family, whatever, blah, blah blah, and they can have Kamala in office, which is what they want. Um, but you want to read the next one? Loquacious primate, I love your name. Says let's talk more about primates. It feels like it's always a relevant subject for some reason. Ha ha. <laughs> I I love your name. Um, and thank you again for recommending me for that nerdrotic show. We're still trying to figure it out, but I hope to be on there. Because I, I remember you. You were the you were the fan from that show. Uh, Meigs for fiction, I highly suggest the sort of truth books even if not for your book club. Why don't I know that? I know the sort of truth. I've heard of that before, but I haven't read them. I don't uh, but thank you. Thank you for the suggestion. And Mr. Biggles also love your name. 145 Z-A-R. I don't know what that means, but thank you. And Mr. Biggles says, thank you. I'm learning a lot. Good sources for spotting rhetoric of Marxists. And, and oh, what are good sources for spotting rhetoric Marxists in the far left are using? I saw a Facebook meme, be kind is crossed out. And then it has listed to be anti-racist, anti-transphobic, et cetera. Switch to identify as versus anti. Um, you know who's doing good work on this is James Lindsay on newdiscourses.com. You can go to his website. He's working on an entire uh, dictionary, and we are working on one too, although ours would probably be a bit more comedic. But anyway, uh, he's doing great work. And I also, somebody sent me a video. I didn't realize he was doing short videos, that, and the, real, the one I saw was really good. Oh, cool. And the short videos, they're, yeah, they're attacking what some of these, these words are, and they're kind of spelling out for you what they say they mean versus what they mean. Because, for example, like you said, they call it anti-racist. What do they mean? Look at what they mean when they say anti-racist. They mean treating people differently on the basis of race and sex or on the basis of race. They mean they mean being racist. It's very clever. They just, oh, we're going to call it – we're going to call our racism anti-racism. We're going to call our fascism anti-fascism. Like clever naming. By the way, Mr. Biggles – I just have a question for you. Is that a Definity logo? And if it is, let me know. I'm just curious. Okay. Uh, you want to do the next one? Andizi Marie. That's a fun name. What do you guys think about the new language circulating social, de quote, social democracy, end quote? Is this another way of just being socialist but keeping the vote? What do you think of that, Carter? I, I don't. Is that new language? Uh, I thought that was like, isn't, I don't know. I don't know. Hasn't it's that been around new. for a while? Socialists have votes. I've, Socialists don't have not have votes. Right? No, but I mean, I think she means, I've heard this too. It's become more popular in the past four years to say that people are social Democrats. Right. And I think she, and so, yes, I mean, my gut is that, yes, they're trying to, they think socialism has a, um, negative connotation to some people much like you think capitalism has a negative connotation oh, oh so to they're some just people. trying not to scare people is the point yeah okay they're trying not to use the word socialism they're saying social social um democracy or yeah right. i think so yeah yeah um sue escobar you want to do sue sue thank you sue gives 20 bucks and says thank you karen carter your channel is a breath of fresh air 
I'm a professor who was in a state of despair until I found your channel and other similar ones. I'm deprogramming my doctoral soci uh, sociology education. Haha. <laughs> oh, I luck. love it. Good luck. Good luck. And but uh, you're doing awesome work. I mean, I keep hearing from professors and teachers who are taking this on and God bless you. More power to you because I think that is one of the hardest jobs is to try and uh, deprogram this stuff out of your classroom and to teach people to be critical thinkers and how to think rather than what to think. Well, so and sociology awesome in particular too. is a, a pretty, you're deep in it. So yeah, uh, you should reach out to, I bet if you, if you reach out to some of these people like James Lindsay or, or maybe people still at universities or have been like Brett or Jordan or, Michael Rechtenwald or some of these people like reach out to them and uh, maybe they can give you some pointers and help you. Rachel Brown, like professors who've dealt with this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Next is why bother. You want to read it? I can't see that one. Why bother gives us five euro and said the sword of truth seconded. All the wizard rules are simple and in a way trivial, but also are not taken seriously for some reason. Okay. Sounds like Mm -hmm. Reminds me of something, but okay. Uh, let's see. Tomsky999. Uh-oh. We're not going to get into a Unity 2020 debate, but Tom Tomsky999 says, Unity 2020 is a professor's answer to politics, doesn't talk to the fact that there are a lot of people with lots of varying opinions, philosophy versus reality. Okay? Uh, let's see. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, Zulu Charlie, next. I worry about you people who live in these cities. If you can't move, you should invest in a firearm. Plenty of gun shops do layaway if you're on a budget. Yeah, and pawn shops will do layaway too with firearms. At least here in Texas, they do. Yep. Um, and I would say, yes, you should have, think of it like this. I know a lot of liberals who are buying the first gun. And I think they're buying the first gun for the same reason that a lot of liberals are thinking they're not going to vote the Democratic ticket this time. It's, they're starting to wake up to the, the reality of what a crazy time we're living in. Um, a, a gun is like an insurance. Yeah. yeah. A gun yeah. is an insurance policy. Think of it that way. And if you are a liberal or a progressive or someone who never thought you would own a firearm, and again, going back to identity you don't want to think of yourself differently. Maybe you this fear of like, who am I if I buy a gun? It's about would you have an would you have an insurance policy? You know, in case something happens. Like think of it that way. You don't you don't have to become um, a tactic gear person who goes out shooting all the time. Although that can be fun, <laughs> but you but you could be the person who just has the gun in case something bad happens. And I would also say definitely take a firearms class. Don't just get the gun. Yeah. Thank um, you for adding that. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be Joe tactical, but you do have to go learn to use it safely. Tax Terra. Tax Terra says, happy Friday. Looking forward to a vodka and tonic later this evening. F the commies <laughs> for my household. It's personal. <laughs> you know, Aww. if it was personal for everyone, we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, but yeah. Thank you, Tex Terra. Enjoy Thank your you, vodka. Thank you, Tex Terra. That's the commies. Uh, let's see. Uh, Why bother? Another one from Why Bother. I take offense on someone taking offense on my comment. We need an <laughs> oppression competition event. I think you're having one right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Do you want to do the next one? Cecil Charles official. Uh, Cecil Charles, if I remember correctly, is a musician who follows us. Good to see you, Cecil. He says, Unity 2020 is a grassroots step to distance us from political parties. Carter, do you see no benefit in shaking the dogmatic allegiance to, to two parties? Uh, well, that's a good question. I, I do not see no benefit. I don't think that's wow. the way to do it. And frankly, I think Trump has already shaken the dogmatic allegiance to parties in many ways. Uh, not that it couldn't be shaken and shouldn't be shaken more. It should, but I don't think, I don't think that's the right. I don't think that'll work. Prove me wrong. Make it happen. Hen <laughs> uh, yeah, let's wait and see because I have high hopes for it, but we'll see. Henry, Henry says possible unity candidate, candidate Jesse Ventura, twenty 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 four. Uh, look, let me tell you something. I don't know much about Jesse Ventura at all. He's one of those people who I just used to laugh at without knowing anything. Because again, I got all my, my opinions were all received from my tribe and it's just by osmosis. And then, you know, he's one of those people I need to read more about and see what I actually think. Cause my instinct is still like, Oh, haha, ha, point and laugh. But why? I don't know anything about him. So maybe he would be a good candidate. Want to read Tomsky 999s? Um, somebody says invite Brett Weinstein on the show. Yeah, we are idea. definitely going to invite him. And if you guys watch his show and you want to recommend us in his comments, please do. Cause that helps. Uh, Tomsky says serious question. Yep. What kind of things do you, you read that are SJW to make sure that we don't end up in our own echo chambers? Good well, that's a great question. Um, so I forced myself to read White Fragility because I was going to be doing a conversation about it on Dr. K's channel. And here's, here's the thing. I knew what it was going to say already because I've been hearing this stuff. She coined this term in 2011, so I'm already familiar with it. And I was like, I don't think there's going to be anything in here I haven't that – that I don't already know. Um, w but there were a couple things. It was good to read it. There were a couple things. One is that she nakedly – attacks individualism and objectivity now, which is what they're all doing now. And they used to hide that. They used to try and pretend like social justice Marxism was not opposed to individualism, but now they outright attack individualism and objectivity. So that was good to learn. Um, and the other thing that was good to learn was that she's a racist. Like she admits repeatedly to having racist beliefs about anyone who's not white. And that was good to learn because it helped me to understand how maybe some of the people who are the loudest uh, in pushing social justice, racism and sexism are pushing it because um, they're projecting what's inside of them. So when a person like Robin DeAngelo says all white people have privilege and all white people are racist and all white people have fragility and da 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 da, da she's telling you about herself. But she's trying to escape personal responsibility for herself by putting it all on an, an entire race of people the same way that some of the guys that had me too stories happen to them like morgan spurlock when he did his me too confession he tried to indict all men wow we men do this we men we men we men it's like no dude just just deal with what you did <laughs> yeah like anyway uh all right next um Tatiana Fisk says, for a first gun, a Taurus is good. Yeah, Tauruses are good, I guess. If you like, if you like revolvers. Um, 
Where are we? I like the Glock because the Glock is like the Tupperware of guns, yes. and it's really hard to malfunction it. it keeps going. You could pour sand in it. You could drop it in the pool, and it probably still work. You can run over <laughs> it with a car, and it, it does work <laughs> underwater. Uh, you can run over it with a car. You can take it to the desert and get sand <laughs> in it. It's uh, very reliable. Um, and I'm saying this as someone who was a 1911 religious religiously 1911 guy for a while but uh evidence based clocks the way to go <laughs> tomsky 999 it's almost 9 p.m here and i'm going to watch chernobyl on tv to see why communism is a terrible thing great stream by the way i love you guys good work well uh go enjoy chernobyl i liked it i like the uh i like the the show it's kind of cool uh let's see Sorry, we got. I'm sorry about the dog. That's right. I'm just I tried putting him in the other room, but he kept barking. So we'll figure this dog thing out. I'm sorry. All right. I think we got to the last super chat. Here we go. B. Frederick. Thank you, B. Y'all keep me sane as a true progressive in an overtly leftist town working for a very liberal company. I barely know anyone that isn't woke. Thank you. That's that's to Carrie. I'm not a progressive, but I'm glad she keeps you sane. <laughs> good. That's good. Good. There are lots of us who are not woke. So you're going to start meeting more people. Hang out in this chat a while and you'll meet other liberals and progressives who are who are either not woke and never have been or formerly woke and are no more. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I'm just going to look through my list of stuff that we could talk about. Uh, oh, Yeah. We talked about Biden picking Kamala. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, Although, just to point out some things about her, in case you don't know, she was uh, Superior Court Judge Ann Christine Masulo uh, slammed her for basically blocking exculpatory evidence to produce information in her possession regarding uh, uh, a dubious witness for the prosecution calling her action a violation of the defendant's constitutional rights adding that she had repeated the repeated court requests to comply with her proper procedures and met with a level of indifference. So she's withhold she's being accused of or have been accused of withholding exculpatory evidence. Um, she uh, fought to uphold uh, wrongful convictions that had been secured through uh, official misconduct, including evidence tampering, false testimony, and suppression of crucial information by prosecutors. Um, she's also championed uh, state legislation under which parents choo- whose children were found to be habitually truant in elementary school would be prosecuted, despite concerns that it would disproportionately affect low-income people of color. She's argued for the death penalty. She opposed legislation requiring off- her office to investigate shootings by police and declined to support having them wear body cameras. Um, according to progressive, now this is these are progressives c- criticizing her. According to progressive law professor Marjorie Cohn. Through her apology for egregious prosecutorial misconduct, her refusal to allow DNA testing for a probably innocent death row inmate, her opposition to legislation requiring the attorney general's office to independently investigate police shootings and more, she has made a significant contribution to the sordid history of un- injustice she decries. So basically the point with Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris is that uh, she's not what they claim to want. She's not what they claim to stand for other than... She's a woman of color. That's her. She's, hey, she's the most and, obvious uh, tokenist selection you could make. Some, something about this is we know 
that social justice, racist and sexist, we know that they pick people on the basis of race and sex because they believe and they tell us we need to judge people and treat them differently on the basis of race and sex. They are racist and sexist. We know this. What I appreciated about Joe Biden was his honesty in telling us that he was going to pick a black woman or a woman of color. He told us this. I'm going to pick a woman of color. He was honest about it. But you know what that does? It completely takes the the wind out of your sails if you're that person who's picked. As a woman, I don't want to be denied anything because of my sex. And I also don't want to get anything because of my sex. If you call me up and you say, hey, I'm picking you for the second most powerful position. I'm picking you for vice president or whatever. I'm picking you to be the vice president of the entire United States. And it's because you're a woman. <laughs> like, screw you. <laughs> screw you. Well, she might. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's funny. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's so dehumanizing. It's so uh, condescending towards women, towards people of color. And it's also... Somebody I saw made this point, I think it was on Twitter, saying, you know, can you imagine if you're if the boss of if you're the CEO of your company was like, OK, we're going to be picking my second in command. I'm going to start accepting resumes. Um, I don't know who it'll be, but it will be a black woman. Right. Like <laughs> what? What? Why would you automatically disqualify people on the basis of race and sex? It will be a paraplegic black disabled woman who's Muslim. Right. Right. It's but insane. I'll look through all of the candidates who are, are in that category that could potentially be great. Yeah, it's so it's it, it, the thing is, it's race. Social justice ideology is racist and sexist towards white people, towards men. But it's also and equally and maybe even more racist and sexist towards women and towards people of color. It's just like a lose lose. It's awful. It's awful. And so, gosh, can you. We're living in a world where the presidential candidate of my former party, of one of the two major parties, just said, "I'm gonna be accepting resume. I'm gonna ex- I'm gonna pick someone, but uh, I don't know who. But it's gonna be the most qualified. No, sorry, <clears throat> it's gonna be a woman, and it's gonna be a person of color. Like, what? Yeah. What? I know. I'm glad he was honest, though. I'm glad he was honest. Uh, I. You I know what? <laughs> Ninja Kitty says I'm biting my tongue. I can tell. I am kind of, but it's not like, look, I, I'll admit, guys, I get to this point where I'm just like, do we really have to point it out again? It's like, <laughs> it's so obvious what they're doing. But we do. I know we do. Uh, they're racist. They're sexist. But and, I'm glad you know. that they, I'm, I'm glad he was honest about it. They're starting to be more transparent. They're starting to be more yeah. honest. Yeah, the mask is slipping and, a little and bit. So, the mask is slipping. And so people are starting to say, hey, wait a minute. The stuff that these social justice people are saying sounds like white supremacy. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're being more honest. It does sound like white supremacy because it's very similar. Because it is white supremacy. I mean, um, it kind of is white supremacy. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just that they, yeah. So Sardovich says, I just want to share this with you. I didn't know this. And I need to look this up and see who this is. But mm-hmm. we've talked before about um, how in bed the Democratic Party is with legacy media mm-hmm. and with big social, especially big social. They send a lot of people that that work for the Democrats end up working for Google and Twitter and Facebook and vice versa. Right. right. He says Twitter hired Kamala Harris's press secretary to head communications at Twitter. 
because F you, that's why they can do whatever they want. They don't care if they appear fair and that's the way it is. The head of communications at Twitter was yeah. Kamala Harris's press secretary. And we're cool with that during an election. Hmm. Weird. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like the commies could take over and I'd just be like, yeah, Okay, just come out as crazy Marxist authoritarians, guys, because it's just, I don't, I'm glad people are seeing it. I'm glad, I'm glad people are seeing it, but, <sighs> um, can I, Sorry. can I just say, this is yeah. real quick, Sue Escobar, professor, we heard from earlier, uh-huh. um, she says, I'd feel the same way, Carrie. I earned my way through and in life on my merits and hard work, not because I'm a gay woman. Thank you. Right. Exactly. And you know what? We've heard before about people who say, and I'm sure you've heard this too, where it's like, uh, I, I don't like, you know, it's racist and sexist to assume that I got where I am because of my race or my sex or because my sexuality, whatever. And it is. But it's the logical conclusion that people are forced to make when when that is what's ha when that's what they're being told we were told he was going to pick a woman of color that's the only qualification we were told you're going to pick a woman okay so like if that were me like i said if that were me i'd be so pissed at him it's like you just freaking pick me joe biden because i'm the best don't go out and tell people i'm going to choose from among a small group of women of color and pick the best one of those no no i want people to know you picked me out of everyone f you that sucks. That sucks. That's so sexist. It's this so is why racist. this is why people and I think it's mostly the alt right that does this, but I'm not sure. Maybe not just the alt right. Uh, this is why people call this a clown world, right? Because it's just so ridiculous that and it's just repeatedly ridiculous over and over and over and over again that it's just like I don't know. I, we're watching a circus. Uh, to take the circus seriously is is quite difficult. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, then again, the circus performers have guns in control of the military when they get in charge. So, uh, it does, it is a circus that matters. Uh, and yeah, someone was like, commies, ha ha ha. Yeah, I said commies. Are they actual communists? No, they're just a different flavor of authoritarians. But I like to say commies because it triggers you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, any honklers for Carter? Yeah, honklers. Right. It is. It's a clown. It's a clown world. I mean, you can't not look at this stuff on a daily basis and really conclude anything other than like, oh, it is a circus. This is just a circus. It's a circus. Um, yeah. Speaking of the surface. Well, this is not really speaking of a circus. I, I live in California. I want to bring up something. Have you paid attention okay. to what's happening with Uber, Uber and Lyft in California, Carrie? Not recently. Something happened this week. Uh <clears throat> So you remember last year there was AB5, which was this bill that uh, ended up passing and was supposed to go into effect, I think, early this year. I think it did. Um, and it requires gig employers to reclassify their workers yeah. as uh, employees, not contractors. Which sucks for the gig employees. Sucks for everyone, right? It sucks for the company, sucks for the gig employee. And um, so the California attorney, so Uber and Lyft were like, they just didn't do it. Um, and so the California attorney general, and they, you know, they have arguments that they're exempt and whatever. The California attorney general uh, sued Uber and Lyft for not following AB5. 
And now you'd think that a judge would say, well, okay, we're not going to force you to make this huge change until the outcome of this lawsuit, maybe, right? Um, but the California Attorney General requested, filed for an injunction, which, which basically meant force them to do this during the, while the lawsuit is pending, force them to comply with AB5. And now think about the, I mean, look, I know a lot of, a lot of people who are for this kind of stuff. You've never run a business. I understand. You don't know what it's like to have employees. I get it. I get it. But you're clueless. So just sit this one out for a second. The, the cost is ridiculous to switch to employees. It, it's, it's a ridiculous cost. Having a company do that during the lawsuit, especially if they're going to end up winning and it goes back, is totally mm -hmm. unconscionable. The, the judge absolutely should say, you know what, while this is a pending case, because they have an argument that they shouldn't have, that they're exempt, while this is a pending case, you can leave your employees as contractors until we sort this thing out. But no, on Monday, the judge granted the injunction, forcing them within 10, they have 10 days to comply with AB5, and Uber's now saying, we're just going to shut down operations. Uh, and, oh, wow. Um, I might, I might just shut down operations. I am sick and tired of people who don't produce anything. Little, little bureaucrats, little pissant, busybody politicians that get elected by people who think that they have the moral right to tell other people how to run their businesses um, and that they need some kind of license from you and permission to do whatever. Look, yeah, Uber's a big company. It didn't start out that way, by the way. Yeah, Uber's a big company. You don't have to drive for Uber. There's no rule that says you have to drive for Uber. You could not drive for Uber. They're offering you a contract gig. You can turn it down. That's it. It's voluntary. Don't say you're forced. I'm forced. You're not forced. Go do something else. Uber this, didn't exist this, 10 years this. ago. You didn't drive for them then. Most Uber drivers didn't drive taxi cabs either. You were doing something else. A new opportunity came along. And now you're like, they should make me, I need healthcare and blah, benefits and blah, 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 blah. No, no. This is a voluntary agreement between you and a company. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be part of the company. You don't have to do it. And the fact that we are in a society where people don't get that and want to control that relationship between an employer and employee is the problem. It's a society full of busybodies who think that everyone's relationship is their business. You might, there are employees who will lose their jobs. They will lose the ability to do this. They don't want full time. They're going to be, their hours are less. They're not going to be able to meet the requirements for being an employee. That relationship will dissipate, dissipate. It'll disappear. And that's it. They're out making that extra money. They can't make that extra money. The gig economy is over. And, and we're in a recession and we're going to stay in a recession because of a lot of stuff. COVID is one of the things we're in a pretty deep recession or I think, or prolonged, I'll say, um, look, Gig economy, like, you need side hustles. <laughs> like, people need side hustles. Gone. Gone. You think you're going to just rip money out of Uber? I hope they just shut down and California suffers with no Uber and Lyft. And you can all go back to crappy taxi cabs and remember what that's like. I just want to say that I now understand the John Galt references 
and that this is in Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> which we're going to be discussing soon. I just... So. You are not empathetic if you think it's your business to stick your nose in between the relationship of an employer and employee and at the force of a gun force one of them to do something else. You can't take a job unless you're an employee. Employee. You can't work part-time as a contractor. You can't hire that. Like, that's not... That's not your business. It's not your business. Social engineers, little system, systematized little Eichmanns who want to run everyone's lives. It's not your effing business. It's not. It's immoral. It is immoral to do this. God, I can't, I can't stand. It's so narcissistic. God, it, bureaucrats are so narcissistic and people that, that want this stuff are so narcissistic. Who the hell do you think you are that you should have a right to tell other people how to relate and, and pay each other and enter into and voluntary contracts between each other? Who the hell do you think you are? Who the hell do you think you are? Let these people voluntarily interact with one another and leave them the hell alone. And by the way, for those of you who are fans of John Galton chat, get the hell out of my way. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Okay. I have My rant is over. I'm sorry. I know it was a some, rant that not even everyone will agree with. You need some super chats. I'll be right back. Super chats. All right. <laughs> we'll do some super chats. Carrie's going to go probably take a bathroom break, but she doesn't want to say it. So I'm going to call her out. All right. Why bother? Five euro from Why Bother. Thank you, Why Bother. Again, Why Bother? You're, you're whipping out your wallet today. You missed Peter Bogosian, who was running grievance studies with James Lindsay. He's a philosophy professor in Portland. And quite a figure. Uh, I don't know what you mean by we missed him. I, we are aware of his existence. I actually did reach out to him. Um, I don't think he got back, but I should reach out to him again because I reached out to him right after our first James Lindsay interview. And uh, now we've done James again and we've done Helen. So maybe he'll respond. Maybe we're, we're big enough that he'll... I'd love to have him on the show. He'd be great. I'm no, I know Kerry would love to have him on the show. Uh, yeah, I like, I like Peter. So let's see. Do some super chats. Sorry, just scrolling. I hate dead air. That would be a bad radio DJ. Uh, okay, here we go. Smoke and Dash's 9-11 gives us $4.99 and says, thank you both. You are my sanity on Monday and Fridays. Go have intermittent frivolity. We will. We're going to Milwaukee this weekend, and intermittent frivolity will be had. Uh, Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. Richard says, oops, let me move that up. Richard says, he gives us five bucks and says, Carrie, Tom Harper, the pagan Christ, you might get something from it. Cheers. Uh, let's remember to tell her that because she's not sitting at her desk right now. Uh, Meeks294. Thank you, Meeks. Meeks says this is specifically to be used for Carrie to upgrade tech. Thank you. Uh, Carrie's tech upgrades are in her own hands. I've told her to buy the mic she wants and whatever else. There's more pilot error than you might imagine going on. But she has a new computer, thanks to you guys. And I did tell her to go buy the mic she wants. Well, actually, she's supposed to send me a link to the mic she wants so I can buy it for her. But uh, we'll see. Okay, Kent. <laughs> thank you, though, Meeks. Kent, thank you, Kent. Uh, Kent says, 
A rant without F-bomb or R-word, still love it. See, I'm trying, Kent, because if I swear, Marie Busky has to pay. Um, she, she pays for my swear tip jars, so I'm trying to save Marie so she can save up her money and, and mail me chocolates. So, all right. Uh, Stu Blue 2. Thank you, Stu Blue 2. Stu, Stu Blue 2 says, Uber, Uber is my alternate transportation in Los Angeles, not having a car. This pisses me off since the bus system sucks outside downtown. Yeah, L.A. is one of the worst places to be. If you don't have uh, transportation, L.A. is a nightmare. It's, uh, you can't, I mean, you can't get it. Even if you have a car getting anywhere, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, but not having a car in L.A. is, you're in a world of hurt. It's, it's not easy. And, and, by the way, you're pointing something out, uh, Stu Lutu, which is people have built their, their, like, in the recent years, people have structured their lives around the assumption that Uber and Lyft exist. Um, I know people who've moved into the cities and sold cars and changed what they were doing, and just they have an assumption that these services will exist, and thanks thanks to your government, they won't. Camulianti, uh, uh, sorry for not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, five euro, thank you. I'm Carrie. Hold on, I gotta find, someone recommended something for you. Carrie's back. I gotta find what. Oh, I was... heard it. Oh, you thank did. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I good. Yeah. Thank you. All I right. will check that book out. Um, <clears throat> two eight eight fishing, I believe, is the next super chat. Thank you, two eight eight fishing. Five bucks that says toward Carrie microphone. Love you guys. I Carrie. We're getting. We just talked about this. Give me. I heard what you said. Pilot you know the link. failure. I will. Pilot failure. It's pilot failure. Uh, Derek. <laughs> Derek Maggard, thank you, Derek. Derek says, Carter's rants are similar to Foamy the Squirrel's animated rants on the classic YouTube channel. I will praise you. You should check them out. I don't know what you're referring to, but um, I would always like to see an animated squirrel version of myself, so I will check them out. Whew. Carrie, what else you got? Is that it? That's it for Super okay, Chats. This, I, I know, definitely have other stuff to talk about. but I, I know we're going quick. long, but let's hit this story just because it's so big. And I just sure. wanted to point out a couple things about it. We'll try to keep this 30 minutes or 20. Um, if you haven't seen it, the same guy that talked about the um, indoctrination stuff that's happening in Seattle with their employees where they're doing this racist social justice so-called anti-racism training. It's racism training. Um, the same guy that talked about that and who is suing, rightfully so, his name is Chris Rufo. If you're not following him on Twitter, you should check him out, Christopher Rufo. He also posted some stuff that was very disturbing. And I know you have the tweets queued up. His name's Christopher Rufo. As you bring him up, I'm just going to read the first one and... He says the federal government's premier nuclear research lab hosted a three-day re-education camp for white males with the goal of exposing their, quote, white privilege, end quote, and deconstructing, quote, white male culture, end quote. Here are the leaked documents from the race-segregated, taxpayer-funded session. If you can find this and click through all this, we're going to show some of them, but you really need to read this whole thread. It is disturbing. 
Uh, it should make you, I think, sick to your stomach. It's a little bit nauseating. Um, yeah. And well, so he... Hold on. I just want to show people who are seeing this. So here's the thread yeah. she's talking about. For some reason, my computer's totally slow. I don't know why. It's, it's on its last legs. So here's the thread on Twitter she's talking about, which um, I'm sure Ninja Kitty will put in the links. Um, and then he also has a page. If you want to actually read the documents, he's got all of this stuff documented on his website, uh, which is ChristopherRufo.com. Um, so yeah. you, can go, you can go actually go as deep as you want on this stuff. Yeah. So. so there's a picture, uh, I think it was the second tweet, where he shows a picture of the men who participated mm-hmm. and their faces are blacked out. Have you seen that? Can you show yep. that real quick? This yep. picture was um, just disturbing to me because I don't I, I don't know. There's a couple reasons, but it just it's, it's just like watching the people who were required to be there to. Um, do some sort of forced Maoist struggle session where they admit their guilt, admit that they're witches, you know, admit that they are uh, evil and they have to sit through this indoctrination. But so he shows a picture of who participated and then he gets into um, some of the stuff that they taught. Can you get into the part about what they, the part that they claim to be the values that they claim are white male values do you have that slide? I can't hear you, Carter. Are you muted? Oh yeah, sorry. My computer's just like died. I have the oh, okay. I, I have the colorful wheel of death right now going on. So oh, okay. So I, I'll, I, just, the, I'll just they're just not loading. That's okay. I'm gonna read out some of it, and we, then we can put it on screen. I'll read it out anyway for the people who are listening and can't see it. So there's a whiteboard or a, a sheet of white paper where they've taken markers and they've written all this stuff at the top. It says white men. And then it's all these things that they are associating with white men and mass killings is circled and power and privilege and supremacists and KKK and all this stuff. Can't jump MAGA hat, like all this stuff. Right. Um, but then you get deep into what they're teaching some of the slides and stuff. So here's one key white male culture characteristics. And so here's some of the things they list off. A tendency to rugged individualism, uh, survivor mentality that focuses on the future, a can-do attitude, operating from principles and conscience, a focus on hard work, action, and task completion. <laughs> this is so Striving. insulting to non-white people, by the way, Carrie. It's, it's like the most so, insulting yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Striving towards success and materialism, measured moderation and silent strength, a focus on status and rank over connection. So somebody asked me, this is what I really want to point out about this. Somebody said, a couple people asked, I don't understand why they're trying to make these things seem bad. Okay, so here's my answer to that. Social justice ideology is opposed to enlightenment values. Social justice ideology seeks to destroy Western civilization and enlightenment values. It is based on, it has roots in Marxism and postmodernism, and I think it's ultimately a, a nihil, it's nihilistic. It's a nihilist belief system. They seek the destruction of everything. But so how do you get people there? How do you get people to start attacking and opposing 
enlightenment values, liberal values? How do you get people to attack individualism, hard work, right? Uh, principles, um, uh, success, meritocracy, free speech. How do you get people to attack these things? Objectivity. You get them to attack it by first saying, you, first you make, you make being white bad and you make being male bad. So, and the way that you sell your racism and your sexism against white people and against uh, men, the way that you sell that is by necessarily having to redefine racism and sexism because you're not going to get, you're not going to get people who are opposed to racism and sexism. You're not going to get people who are opposed to judging and treating people differently on the basis of race and sex. You're not going to get them to do that unless you redefine those words. So they feel like they have an out like, okay, it's not racist and sexist. It's, uh, they're telling me it's called anti-racist to judge people and treat them differently on the basis of race. They're telling me it's called feminism to judge people and treat them differently on the basis of sex. So the first thing you do is you change those definitions and you push your racism and sexism and you get people on board. Once they get people on board with the idea that whiteness is bad, that being a man is bad, that these are bad things, then what do they do? Then they associate what their real goal, their real target is, they associate that with white men. And that's that's the stage we're in right now. They've already gotten a, a large portion of culture to jump on board with their racism and sexism and to believe that white men are bad. And so now they're saying, okay, now that now that you guys are on board with this, okay, now we're gonna say individualism, hard work, being on time, logic, um, success, strength, planning for the future, uh, meritocracy, the nuclear family, that all of these things are associated with white men. And hey, you already think white men are bad. These are all white male things. Well, you know who else says those are white male things? White supremacists. White supremacists say these are white male things. That's why it sounds incredibly racist to you because it is incredibly racist. It's even more racist. It's more racist towards people of color than it is towards white people. Um, but they are not that different than white supremacists. They believe the same things. They believe that they're telling you this is all white male stuff. The only difference is white supremacists say, this is white male stuff and we're awesome for it. And the social justice racists say, this is white male stuff and it's all bad because white males are bad. That's the only difference. Isn't that amazing? Aw. I hope that was a good explanation. Now, that was what? a great explanation, but I'm sad because the troll, who I thought was good, just made like, just made an error in our chat and said, every black man has the same principles, so they revealed themselves to be uh, just a, like, not even actually fighting this, just being a troll for troll's sake. Oh, well. I thought maybe oh, yeah. we had a social justice warrior well, in chat, but it's just an idiot. So. <laughs> oh, well. That person's an idiot. But anyway, um... Yeah, they, they, I'm sorry, I got off track a little sorry, bit. Sorry, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, obviously. I, I hope, yeah. yeah, so I hope that, that that shows why, for anybody who's wondering, why are they suddenly trying to attack individualism and objectivity and you know, time and hard work and resiliency and stoicism? And, like, why are they trying to attack these things, the free speech, enlightenment values? Why are they attacking them? That's always been their goal. This ideology wants to tear all of that down. They want to destroy Western civilization. And so what they're using is they're using racism and sexism to get there. 
they have to get you on board with the racism and sexism first. And then they link all these values with the race and the sex that they've told you to hate. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And look, you're welcome to read. Like, I encourage you, if you are, if you want evidence of this stuff and you don't want to take our word for it, I don't think you should take our word for it. There's plenty written about it. Um, I mean, you can do what we've done. Carrie has read, I don't know how much in college. Like, you've read a lot of social justice material. Um, I didn't in college, but since then, I mean, I, I've been reading the the earlier critical theorists, some postmodernism. I've been reading the the links between that and uh, the kind of the origins of of intersectionality and Kimberly Crenshaw and like black feminist literature. Like you can read all of this stuff. It's all there. You can read it for yourself. Um, and they're not very, I mean, what was the book with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ho, Akasha Ho or whatever. She very clearly says that objectivity is, is white male patriarchy thing. Like this is not, They've been attacking these things from a philosophic perspective for a long, long time. And they've been, all of them come from a, or almost all of them come from an a priori assumption that Marxism is superior and they need to develop tactics and philosophies that support uh, the move away from Western civilization they probably disagree on what they think the end goal should look like but they all agree that uh liberalism in the classical sense of liberalism the individual uh individualism they all agree that that's bad all of them um so even the postmodernists think it's bad they all think it's bad uh and the postmodernists you know aren't necessarily marxists but they still hate uh they, they still hate the the current kind of system the the, the classically liberal systems so you know, you just read it for yourself. Read Daniel Keene asks, this is a great question. This gets to the heart of what I was trying to say. Wouldn't it be easier to demonize someone based on negative characteristics and virtues than it would be to demonize someone for a bunch of positive and beneficial traits? Yes, it would be easier. That's why, that's why you have to realize these positive things, individualism, free speech, equality, objectivity, reason, logic, hard work, being on time, the family, these positive things are what they are opposed to. They're not attacking it because it's easier to attack the positive things. They're attacking it because that's why they had to, that's why they have to make white male, white men bad, first of all. So then they can link all these things and say, these are white male things. Cause it's hard to attack these things because they're good things. (laughs) Right. And, and look, that's, that is the end goal. Yeah, no, absolutely. The end goal, the end goal is not demonizing white people and men, and men. It's not. No, no. That's what they're using to attack all of these principles and values that have made you know, our country what it is. Right. That's Right. And uh, by the way, someone just mentioned Stephen Hicks's uh postmodernism explaining postmodernism book, awesome book. <laughs> totally. If you don't want to read the postmodernist yourself, uh, you know, obviously he's got an agenda and I think he's pretty clear. Well, not an agenda. He's got a perspective and I think he's clear about it, but, um, you know, that, that's a, a good overview. It's a good book. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I know that there's this argument that like the founding of the West was not perfect and that there was bad things in the past, like absolutely. But anyone who 
Anyone who wants to ask themselves what the essence of the West is will arrive at the conclusion that what's different about the West, what's unique, what had set the West apart from previous civilizations um, is not slavery. It's not whiteness. There were white civilizations. Almost every civilization had slaves. Uh, it, there, there wasn't the, the differences. You look at what, what you do when you look at empirical evidence is you look at, well, what's different about this? What's, what's unique to Western civilization that maybe caused its prosperity? Like what, what helped Western, why is Western civilization powerful? Why is it a thing? Why do people come here? Why do people want to come here? What caused this? And you will come to the conclusion, if you're honest, that it's the, it's the enlightenment values, it's the individualist ethic, it's the freedom that was offered to individuals in the West that is responsible for the success of the West. That doesn't mean that it's a clean start. It doesn't mean those those values were always implemented, but it does mean that that is the that's the variable that changed that made the difference. Right? That's the difference that made the difference is 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 the that's, enlightenment values. It's individualism. It's it's not rules for kings and rules for other people. It's it's the uh it's the liberal idea that all people should be treated equally under the law and that people should be free and are sovereign individuals implemented and that's what to the, some extent and not not fully all the time but and that's what the abolitionists appealed to that's what frederick Douglass appealed right to. go read frederick Douglass. right that's what um the the women's suffragists appealed to they appealed to our founding principles and they said we are not living up to this I demand that you live up to these founding principles. That's how we made progress. Right. And and so they are attacking these very, um, the very founding ideas. They're, they're attacking these liberal ideas. They're attacking everything that's given us progress. They're trying to take us back, backwards. And yeah. somebody said, Daniel said, yeah, but destroying these things will destroy society and civilization. Now I'm wondering if you're just setting me up. <laughs> to say that yes, it, that yes, that is what it will do. They they seek yes. to destroy society and civilization. Right. Not everyone pushing it. Again, remember, it's like I was in it for twenty years. Was I in it because I wanted to destroy society and civilization? No, I was in it because of the way they sell it to you. Right. I believed this was. I believed them. This is the way to end racism and sexism. It sells. It's a very good um, sales tactic. Right. And but, you can come at this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you can come at the you can come at enlightenment values and individualism as you can come at it from two directions. You can do it empirically from the bottom up and look at like, okay, well, what happens in societies where they don't do this? And what happens in societies where they do, and to the extent they do, how much like where's the where's the success and where's where does it fail? And like well, all societies are kind of mixed. Um you can look at you can look at China like, oh, they added a little bit of freedom in this area and voila, they're more successful. Like you can you can look at that empirically. You can also do a top down approach if you're willing to start with some morals and 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 uh, what I would call kind of natural law. But you could um, even premises when you're doing top down premises have to be derived uh using uh, induction, not deduction, but whatever. If you if you start with the right premises, if you start with moral premises about individuals having self-ownership, you arrive at the same answer. Um, so you can come either way, uh, but it's dishonest to try and throw 
uh, every stain, every every sin of Western civilization to, to act as if that's the thing that made Western civilization successful and that that is somehow unique to Western civilization. I mean, uh, it's just not true. You're just wrong. So, okay. Let's do some they, super chats. They seek, no? they seek to, if they, if they succeed, social justice ideology would take us back into a, a kind of dark ages. But as you've pointed out, I think it was you, somebody pointed out much scarier dark ages than any we've experienced as a, as a species before, because now we have all this crazy technology. A dark ages, right. dark ages with this technology is truly dystopian. Right. Okay. Um, let's do some super chats. Cool. And then we have, I have to run right, super chats. Run. Why bother says, hope you won't take offense for guys. Carrie's offended. Carrie, be offended. Yeah. Super offended. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What's Thank up with you, you today? Bother. Why bother? You are just sugar daddy today. Uh, Another one from Why Bother. Thank you, Why Bother. I might have busted chat today, but in the old MasterCard commercials, there are some things that are priceless. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Why Bother. <laughs> thank you, Why Bother. Uh, and also the next is from Why Bother. I'll oh, read it. Really? Okay. He says, congrats on breaking 400 viewers. Well deserved. Thank you, sir. I'm assuming you're gender. I don't know that you're a man. Um, I think he Abby, told us that he was a man. Abby. Oh, you Early. did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Abby Simperfy. Thank you, Abby, says, God bless you on your speech at the Walkway Rally, Carrie. I also hope you both enjoy the Better Discourse Convention this weekend. Thank you so much. And thanks for helping us to get there. Everyone who contributed, it's awesome. I'm excited about some of the interviews we're going to get to do. And, um, and thank you for your prayers for helping me say what I'm supposed to say and not letting fear get in my way. Yep. I think that might be it for super chats. I think we're. I think we. Cool. Have come to an end. Uh, oh, another Hands one. Handy, Handy Marie. Thank you for your show and work. I'm not knowing older terminology. Uh, no worries. There's lots of terminology. I don't know. So, anything you don't know that we say, just ask. I don't. I didn't know what QED meant. <laughs> I <laughs> still kind of don't. I mean, I know I used it, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember the Latin. Um, do you have to run? Oh, man. All right. Well, that's fine. Uh, Twee Girl says, SJWs don't realize that they live at the end of history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The end of history, where we're all equal in the rubble. Yep. Um, I might be able to stay a bit longer, but I just have to text someone and tell them I'm going to be there later. So. You text. I there's I there's a these are not good stories, but they need to be talked about, and I want to mention them. Um, I think they need to be talked about. Um, one is James uh, Younger. You guys remember James Younger? Remember Save James? There was this kid in Texas whose um, parents divorced, and the mom, who actually isn't his biological mom, but I but because uh, I think they think they used an egg donor. But anyway, his his mom, mom anyway. Um, she wanted him to transition and wants to call him Luna and was like pushing for this. And the dad was opposed to it. And, uh, this ended up in court and a judge last year said, Hey, you've got, 
split custody, the dad gets to be involved in medical decisions, and the judge actually said uh, previously that uh, the judge found the mom to be, quote, overly affirming uh, whenever James kind of supposedly showed any trends towards being a girl. Um, hey, mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is, uh, he, by the way, this kid's eight, right? So this is, we're not talking about like an 18-year-old or 17-year-old, we're talking about an eight-year-old pre-puberty. Um, and uh, just this, I think it was this week, uh, a judge, uh, a Dallas judge named Mary Brown, just when you think Texas is maybe not woke, uh, Dallas judge named Mary Brown overturned this and said that uh, not only is the, um, not only does the dad not get to do anything here, I think Carrie froze. I don't know why Carrie froze. Not only does the dad, uh, <clears throat> the judge says not only does the dad have to uh, go along with this, um, and I think lost his 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 parental rights with respect to um, medical stuff, but he has to pay $5,000 a month for the transition. He has to actually pay out of his pocket for the transition. I think Carrie did freeze. Guys, tell me if I'm frozen, but I think I think Carrie did freeze. I'll see if she comes back. She's, she's kind of moving a little bit. Um, I, look, it's a sad story. I just want people to be aware of it. Um, oh, Carrie disappeared. Maybe she'll call me back. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty egregious. Uh, let's see here. Hold on, Carrie is back. I'm gonna have to go answer. Let's see. Carrie, are you back? Yeah, you froze. Yeah, it says my connection is very poor right now. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, also my air conditioning went out, so you're gonna see me get progressively sweatier. It's gross. I don't look. I don't have a lot here. to say about this story. It's just tragic. I just wanted people to know, okay. like, this is what's happening. Even I, this in Texas. Texas story. I heard you. Yeah, this Texas story is awful. It's awful. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I wish I could put it in the links. There's this video I just watched by um, a uh, a woman who detransitioned. Okay, so who thought they were actually male, transitioned to male, lived as male for a long time, and then detransitioned. Yep. And she did a compilation video with lots of people, everyday people, who are posting their stories on YouTube, who are doing videos about transitioning. She did a compilation video specifically of women who've detransitioned, who, who have now returned to their biological sex, to, be, to, to being woman, and talking about how these same people, she, she made a very good point. She was like, in culture right now, we're being told that if a child says, I'm trans, that you have to 100% validate that. And the only thing you should do is to tell them, yes, you are trans and to validate that gender identity and to help them medically transition, okay? Now, then what happens if years later they detransition and say, I was wrong. I am a woman. I'm going to try and go back to being a woman. You know what they're being told by the social justice people? They're being told you weren't ever really trans. You weren't ever really trans. Okay, so here's something about that. Maybe not. If you not, think but who that some them? people, <laughs> exactly. If you think that some people who say they're trans are not really trans, then you agree with me and Carter that there are some people who are being pushed to transition who are not trans. We agree. So why then is your response to say the only acceptable thing to do is to validate 
and to say, yeah, you are trans and to push kids to medically transition. Why would you do that? Because you reveal when they detransition, you reveal that that's not what you believe, that you actually agree with us and you believe that some people who think they're trans are not really trans. Okay, so then quit pushing them there. Quit saying we have to universally validate every three-year-old and, who well, says and they're, you know. Look, to me, this is just, this is just evidence of the sham of empathy. It's the veneer of empathy that the social justice warriors pretend to have. They pretend to care. And this is child abuse. Um, transitioning a child prior to puberty is child abuse. I mean, it is, it is irreversible. First of all, look, your brain is not done developing until your mid-20s. Mid-20s. Uh, I, I would even say it's probably a bad idea to make major life decisions that are irreversible before your mid-20s. Your brain's not even done developing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a tail end, maybe towards, you know, a little bit before then. I don't know. Maybe you could make some decisions. But when you're eight, prior to puberty, the idea of, of prior to puberty doing permanent damage to your body. Now, maybe that happens to be the, the, the quote, damage that you want. Maybe transitioning turns out to be the right thing for you. But uh, I don't think you can, with any decent level of confidence, claim to know that about someone prior to puberty. Kids go through lots of different experimentation about their identity, about what they like, what they don't like. They're affected by a lot of different things. The idea that you can take an eight-year-old and know for certain that transitioning is the right thing to do, um, you know, it is it's just ridiculous. You can't. You can't. And it's, it's child abuse. You, you will sterilize them um, and you will forever mutilate their body in a way that if they decide they were wrong, which is possible and quite possible when you're dealing with someone that young, they will never, you will have done irreversible damage, irreversible damage. If they want to transition later and like they grow up and decide transitioning is super important to them and, and that's really what they want and they, they make sure they work out their psychological issues to make sure they're not doing it for the wrong reasons, fine, transition. Um, but that's a decision an adult can make. And you know these, these are the same people, these people will correctly say, well, kids can't consent. Kids can't consent to this or that. Yeah, that's true. They can't. You know what else they can't consent to? Transitioning. Elective. Yeah, they can't elective consent medical. to that. So stop yeah. pretending that you give a damn about kids. You do not. You despise kids. And you're not neutral on kids. You hate them. You can't treat a class of people like that without despising them. It's not okay. a neutral Let position. No, I, I can't. Interject. No, it's not. Well, let me interject. I have a different opinion. Am I not allowed to say it? I don't no. think that you necessarily despise them. I think that some people, though, they use them as I'm just going to my point is that there are parents who are narcissistic, who do not love their children more than they love themselves. And it doesn't mean they have to despise them. But I do think it, in my opinion, but I do think it means that they are not putting their child's best interests first and that they are willing to abuse their child for likes and social status and virtue points. Well, and sadistic narcissism. at least. 
It's sadistic. So I just sent you something sadistic. Are, are do we have time to put it do up on screen? Do sadists despise their, their prey? I don't know, but it's sadistic. Uh, you sent me something. Hold on, let me find it. Yeah. Um, is this the Facebook thing? Yeah, so our friend Mike Harlow shared this, and it's from a group on Facebook called Transgender Parenting. And I just, I think it shows what I'm trying to say about some of these parents. They're, yeah, somebody in chat says using their child as a status symbol. This woman posted, I'll just start reading it now because some of this is really disturbing. You haven't seen this before, Carter, I don't think. Nope, so nope. listen to what she says. My four-year-old came out to us during the COVID lockdown towards the end of March. He was 3.75 years at the time. I, she's trying to let you know it's okay because he's really close old? to four. Yeah, so he was three at the time. He was three at the time. Um, we are in our fifth month of firm assertion of male identity. So her daughter came out and said, I'm a man at three. We are in our firm, our fifth month of firm assertion of male identity. It hasn't wavered. He's not confused. This isn't a phase. He is living his authentic self as a boy. He starts back at preschool on Monday. This will be his first time in preschool identifying as a boy. The staff is caught up to speed and are supportive. In fact, they even have a trans man on staff who has been a huge asset for trans knowledge for the entire team. I'm nervous and excited. Okay. What does this sound like? Toddlers and tiaras, anybody? I'm nervous and excited. He still dresses very feminine though. Okay. Her daughter still dresses like a girl. He still dresses very feminine and has opted to keep his feminine name. So her daughter has kept her female name. We even tried shortening it, and he said, Mom, don't call me that. So that's fine. We're not going to push him, obviously. I told him if he ever changed his mind about his name that he could talk to Dad and I, and we would be okay with him changing it if he, if he ever wants to. Oh, you're not pushing him, huh? You're not pushing her to change her name? I think I came name? out, okay. in fairness, I think I came out as Jedi <laughs> when I was four. Right. Okay. I was Luke Skywalker. I'm nervous because... I'm nervous because I'm afraid that kids will misgender him. He wants to play with other boys, and I'm afraid he might not be socially accepted. He's not interested in playing with girls and never has been, to be honest. Okay, so she sounds like a tomboy. Um, I'm excited because I know he will begin to observe social differences between boys and girls. Okay, she's excited like a toddler's in Tierra, like a toddler in Tierra's mom. I'm excited because I know he will begin to observe social differences between boys and girls, and I anticipate a request for a haircut in the coming months. Currently, he prefers it long. We've already asked. Look how she keeps asking her daughter, are you sure you want your hair long? Are you sure you don't want to wear boy clothes? Really? Are you sure you don't want to change your name to a boy name? Really? Well, we'll be here when you're ready to change it. We're totally here for you to change it. Please get your hair cut. When you're ready, we're ready. <laughs> I'm excited because I know, uh, okay, I saw that. I'm excited for the growth and nervous for the growing pains. For those of you who knew or who have had kiddos who have known early. When did the clothing preferences change? When did they ask for a new hairstyle? When did they start trying out names? Have some of your kids, kiddos changed the way they identify and asked for new pronouns and then not change anything else about themselves? Maybe he will just keep the status quo. Okay, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, I've shared Are you mine, serious? Are you asking my thoughts about this? <laughs> I mean, what do you think my thoughts are? I, I, this is, uh, like I said, I, I came out as Luke Skywalker probably when I was four. I, this is, uh, it's disgusting. This person is a narcissist. 
Um, I would argue she's a sadist who despises her child. I, I don't, you don't treat someone this way. Uh, you don't respect, this is not the respect. She's not granting her child respect, any kind of respect. And uh, it makes me sick to my stomach. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm this, I'm that. Someone in chat said Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, kind of, right? It's transitioning by proxy is what it is. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I identify as trans by proxy through my child. Like, that's what that is. Yeah. That's, it's trans by proxy. I'm uh, a cool, trendy mom of a trans kid. Yeah. And I'm a I cool, just, trendy uh, mom. And I'm so affirming. I would rather I have a culture would, where, yeah, yeah I, I want a culture, not, well, maybe even, yeah. I, 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 I want a culture where people like this have no friends. I don't know if cultural people like this just are totally ostracized and ridiculed and just like, you can't, you can't even shop in my store. Get the hell out, you sadistic child abuser. That's what I want. Because the only way, the only alternative is to start, you know, building an elaborate state and whatever. But like, it, this is, I've said this before, kids are the last unprotected class of, of, uh, of individuals in this country. Um, we generally don't give a crap. You know, we care a lot when a spouse is in an abusive relationship. We all cheer her for leaving her abusive partner. And and no one says, well, you know, you should, you should have done what he asked. <laughs> that way he wouldn't beat you. Uh, uh, and that person, that woman has a choice to be in that relationship. We still cheer her for leaving, as we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Uh, but children... They have no choice about who their parents are. They have no choice about where they are. And yet we overlook this kind of crap. And, uh, and well, mind your parent. Well, mind them. They're beating me. Well, you know, they're manipulating. They're manipulating. Like, can you imagine? What if, let's think about this. What if a guy, a married, sad, like, sadist, tried to manipulate his spouse into getting a sex change operation or doing something like massive body modifications, chopping things off, sterilizing, and used all these same techniques and bullying and like getting his friends to, yeah, you should do that. Like used all this kind of stuff. If and when she finally fled that relationship, everyone would, would bravo, that guy was a sadist and a horrible person. But we do it to a kid and, you know, we've got a community of social justice warriors who are like, bravo, great job. Nice job mutilating your child. Great child abuse. Pat on the back for your child abuse. I don't know. I mean, this is, when I see stuff like this, this is what makes me a misanthrope. I look at stuff like this and I'm like, what the hell is worth saving, really? These are the people I'm trying to save in Western civilization? Screw you. Just go, just go, go transition yourself out of existence into sterility. I don't, I don't want to be in a society with this. I just don't. So the other thing that is really concerning about this is that, once again, they, this ideology claims to be speaking on behalf of marginalized people, but they are hurting people who are in some of these groups that they call marginalized. My friend who shared the video, the video I was talking about, about the, um, the compilation of women who've now detransitioned, is a lesbian of color, okay? And she correctly was pointing out that most of these women would have just come out as lesbian eventually if in childhood they hadn't been assaulted and, and indoctrinated in school to believe that everybody, everybody 
has to face the choice of what their true sex is, what their true gender is. That's not something that 99.99% of people naturally ever grapple with. It's a small percentage of people who grapple with it, but now we're saying every child must grapple with this and decide. We're make, we're normalizing it as if this is normal. It's not. It's an, it's not a normal thing, and I don't mean normal as in um, normal being better. I'm just saying normal as in what is norm? The original definition of normal. This is the norm, right? It it is um, a small percentage of people who are faced with this struggle. But now we've told all children, you all have this struggle. Figure out what your gender is, right? Okay, so most of these girls would have just become lesbian. But again, talk about the horseshoe theory. Remember conversion therapy, right? Where they're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to convert gay people to be straight, right? right? This is similar. This is saying we're going to, yeah, the religious um, right might like this to be like, yeah. oh, you're not gay. We're going to, we're just going to switch your gender. We're just going to switch your gender and, and you'll be a man who likes women. Right. And, and that that's possible that you, it, and that that's easy and normal and, it's not going to damage you at all to, to medically transition as a child to start taking hormone blockers and stuff. And it does it does damage you. We've even heard from uh, trans women, people who are biologically male, who said because they took all the hormones and stuff when they were younger, the, the hormone blockers, mm-hmm. that when they were adults and old enough to decide to get reconstructive surgery, their genitalia wasn't developed enough to have anything to work with because they'd been taking these couldn't. hormones since they were a kid. Yep. Yeah. So it's just, I, it's just, I think it's really, I think it's really sad. And I'm going to, I'm going to remember to put in the comments, I'm going to put some links to some of these videos. Cause I just went down a rabbit hole of watching these videos of young people who were most of them in their uh, mid twenties or thirties who are now detransitioning. And, um, all the ones I watched were women who are deep, who, who are biological women who are now, um, saying, Hey, I found out I was just a lesbian. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> And I'm laughing because it's so awful what it's awful, but I kind of have to laugh at it because it's absurd and I have to laugh at it. So I don't cry because they're dealing with all these repercussions of hormone treatments, surgeries in some cases. um, And this empty feeling where a lot of them are saying like, you know, I was, I was told this is, yeah, like any of these feelings that you have mean that you're the other sex and it means that you need to do X, Y, Z medically. Okay. Well that didn't, that didn't fix the problem that didn't fix their depression or their anxiety or their feelings of dysmorphia or whatever. And that wasn't the root cause of their feelings. And they've realized that. So why are we telling everyone, every kid who has any inkling of, of, I think I might be the other gender. Why are we saying, yeah, 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 you are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, it's sad. Because we're using them as props, because we're sadists. I mean, I guess that's the thing, right? So we're experimenting on them too. We don't know the effects of this. I'm giving kids all these. Yeah, but I don't even. I I don't even want to attribute it with the like pseudo noble cause of experimentation. They don't care how it turns out. They're not. They're not looking to see if these results are good. They don't give a crap. Uh, They're just props. They're just props. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh, they're going to commit suicide later. Oh, they're not going to be able to transition the right way later. Oh, they're going to decide it was wrong and they're going to have to detransition and be sterile for their whole life. Oh, well, we got our political agenda pushed. Oh, well, they don't care. Um, One of the stories I watched and what I was shocked to find out was that 
her video, there were lots of people in the comments saying, this was me exactly. Okay, there were lots of other young women saying this. Is that not only did she, was she convinced by the culture around her and by her school and by um, by just everyone around her, the medical community, not only was she convinced that she must be a man, she was convinced that she must be a gay man, <laughs> even though she's attracted to women. And I know it's funny because I was like, that's so weird. How'd you get there, right? She went on to explain, she explains it in the video, and there were lots of comments from women saying, yes, I also was convinced I must be a gay man, and I'm actually a lesbian. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just kind of speechless. Yep. But. Yep. Um, you know, someone, some people in chat are blaming Big Pharma. I do think Big Pharma is, is look... Uh, the way I look at businesses generally is, and you know, my experience with business owners, this is true. Uh, most of them are just pragmatists. So, you know, if culture will let them push in some amoral or immoral or moral direction, doesn't matter. Uh, if they can make much money pushing in that direction, they will. Culture has to hold them accountable. Like you can't, they're not going to toe the line and say you shouldn't take our transition drug before the age of blah blah blah. If they can get away with it, they will. Uh, you know, you need to have a moral cult. This is why we care about philosophy and culture more than politics generally. You need to have moral culture and 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 uh, and decent philosophical foundation in a culture in order to prevent this stuff. Because you know, without it, I don't, I don't know. This it's a tragic. Well. Carrie, we believe I... in protecting kids for a reason, like you said, about yeah. believing in consent and stuff. I mean, we give extra boundaries to children that we don't give to adults for a reason. And sometimes we have to make arbitrary decisions about, like, well, how do we decide um, what the age of consent is, for example? Like, it's eight, 18, right? How do we decide that? Couldn't it be 17? Couldn't it be 19? At some point, you just have to you have to pick a number that the most people agree to and go with it because you have to protect kids until they're adults, until their brains are fully developed. We've all always agreed. We've always agreed to this. You don't let kids buy cigarettes. You don't let them drink. You don't let them have sex. You don't, you know, we've always agreed to this. You don't let them make elective medical decisions that will alter their body for the rest of their life. And now we're saying, okay, wait a minute. We don't have to protect kids in this way anymore in this area. Kids well, are free not, to consent. Not only They're, are we not in this area. Yeah. Not only but are what we it not does stopping is it them, means we're encouraging yeah. them to do it. We're encouraging them and, and we're yeah. pretending like they're fully capable of making these decisions. How long until that rationale is used to justify pedophilia, is used to justify kids making decisions about smoking and drinking and tattoos and whatever else, you know? Oh, I think Because you've already said yeah. You've already said kids can consent and they're a three-year-old is capable of making this choice. Really? And they're, and they're sexual in some way. They're somehow like aware of mm. their sexuality and gender. Like they're hyper aware of this stuff is, is your argument, right? They're aware enough to transition. They're mm. aware of gender and sexuality enough to decide whether they're gay, straight, or what gender they are when they're four. Like that's, that's also sexualizing children in a pretty disgusting way. And so... Uh, I think the pedo stuff is right around the corner. I, I think it's, I think we're poised for that, and uh, that's going to be revolting to watch um, if we don't stop. Watch. It. Um, I'm just going to plug real quick. 
Camille Paglia, if you guys, mm. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but she's a, a, a lesbian feminist professor. I think she's also said she's trans, um, although I think she might define it in a different way. But she uh, she's done a series of videos. She's done lectures about how if you look at the fall of civilizations, you go back through history and you look at every civilization that's fallen and see if you can draw any comparisons or are there any is there something that. Are there, are there qualities that we could draw out that say, hey, that's similar to what's happening now? Or And, and one of those things is a normalization of pedophilia. Yep. Yeah, it's, it is, it's, pretty, it's pretty depressing. And I think it's actually turning an atheist friend of mine religious because she, she was like, well, I don't know if I can believe in the God thing, but because she's watching all this stuff happen, she says, clearly the devil exists. So I better hope that there's a God. <laughs> Like she's looking at this. Clearly, Satan exists. I don't know what the hell's going on. Like so, uh, she's actually actively trying to become Christian now because she has reached the inescapable conclusion that Satan definitely exists. Just Jordan Peterson talks about that about the existence of evil helps to convince some people of the existence of good. And I understand what he means by that. You you may be, even if you're depressed and misanthropic and everything, and even if you're in a place where all you're seeing are the negative things, I think if you can get to a place where you're like, well, yeah, the darkness is real, um, right. then I think you necessarily it will help you get to the place of seeing the light too, seeing goodness too. And good luck. I yeah. good luck to your friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to pull her back back from the brink, but you know, I get it. It's fine. You're trying to pull her away from God. Carter. Not actively. I'm just like, oh, come on. I've known her for no, twenty years. No, I want just, her. No. <laughs> You're literally being the the devil on the shoulder, and I'm being the angel on the shoulder. You know that old yeah, yeah, '80s yeah, movie I... motif. <laughs> oh man, uh, I love you, Carter. I hope you have a very nice weekend. I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna say you're gonna see me tomorrow. So let's let's. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So wait, wait. Can we do one funny thing? There's one sad thing, but I'm okay. not gonna bring it up because we can do it another time. Okay. There's one funny thing. I just want to mention because we like to end on a positive note, and you like this. Okay. Did you see the Portland cop who identified as a woman? No, but you told me about it. Oh, all right. Well, I'll tell the audience about it. If you okay. haven't seen this, there's a clip on uh, on Twitter, and. Uh, so the Portland, you know, there was protests slash riots going on. And I think it was the night, I think it was the night they arrested like a hundred people. And the, and the Portland police uh, happened to all be men that were there at the time. And they were arresting a woman and, you know, you have to search for weapons. You got to do a little pat down or whatever. And so um, they had her there to do that. And the reporter was filming and, of course, reporter. So it, it wasn't like a Andy, no, it was like a mainstream type reporter. So on the left, uh, and the reporter was filming, and the reporter says to the police, accusatorily, do you have a female cop present while you're doing that? You have to have a female cop. She's yelling about the female cop, which actually, uh, legally, they don't have to have a female cop present. They're supposed to have one if one's available, but if not, they don't need one. So she, she makes this comment, and one of the cops says, how do you know I don't identify as female? <laughs> which I think, A, is awesome. Uh, I know I have ambivalence towards cops, but that cop wins the internet uh, for that. And the other thing that I love about this is it's kind of like those trolling signs that 
people put up that said Islam is right about women and the left it broke their left's brain. They didn't know what to do because this reporter posted this on Twitter and was outraged that this cop would say this. And you, if you look at the comments, all the lefties are like, I can't believe how disrespectful how that are. They're like piling on this cop. How dare he say that? But like, really, honestly, an honest, honest question. What's wrong with what he just said? This is what you've been teaching us. What is wrong with that? Nothing by your own standards. Absolutely nothing. So I thought it was beautiful. It was funny. And uh, and I love that it outrages the left because normal people look at this and go, well, why are you outraged? <laughs> Isn't this your thing? Isn't, Isn't this that your what whole you say? Thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody made somebody made the point that they're making a huge deal out of how Kamala Harris could be could be the first female vice president. And somebody said, well, uh, all you guys who are making a big deal out of that is if that's so important. Also believe that anybody can identify as female. So what's the big deal? <laughs> Mike Pence could be the first female female vice president. Yeah, Mike Pence should come out tomorrow. <laughs> if Trump and Pence lose, okay. which I don't think they will, but if they do, they should both identify as female for the end of their term right before they leave yeah yeah sayonara <laughs> <laughs> um okay so wait oh we should gosh. we should tell people we're, we're leaving tomorrow to go to milwaukee for better discourse we're gonna film some stuff in milwaukee we're gonna try and do a kofefi break on monday but i can't guarantee that it's gonna happen we're gonna be in a hotel room trying to make it work with you know whatever stuff we've got at our laptops or whatever um there's no guarantee that it will work so we might not do a Monday Kofefi, but we will try to do a Monday Kofefi. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then we'll definitely be back next Friday, possibly even some content in between now and then, depending on what we got going on. And, uh, yeah. What else? What else do we have to mention? Anything else, Carrie? That's all. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks for the super chats. See you later, Carter. I got to go. Have a good right. weekend. Okay. You too. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. Uh, and, uh, I apologize. I did, I forgot to fix the credits. They're the same credits as on Monday, but you should watch them anyway, cause they're kind of cool. Bye. <laughs> I'm undoing the credits because Beverly saved my butt. We didn't do the last few super chats and I don't want people to feel left out. So I'm going to read the last few super chats just so you get credit and then we'll run the credits. That was a psych. Carrie already left. She's got stuff to do. Steve Rochester, thank you, Steve. He gives us 10 bucks and says, thanks for providing a few hours of sanity each week. Keep the clips coming too. Clips will be coming. You can thank Beverly for clips as well. Uh, you can thank Beverly for me ending the credits and reading Super Chats. Uh, let's see. C. Jones, thank you, C. Jones. C. Jones gives us five bucks and says, last Covfefe live for me for quite a while. Have fun at Discourse Conference. I hope there's some evidence of Carter frivolity. There'll be some evidence, maybe, of Carter Frivolity. Uh, let's see. By the way, we got four downvotes today, so we got some haters. That's good. We haven't had haters before, uh, which means that we were kind of in an echo chamber. So more haters is fine. It's good. Uh, let's see. Is that it? For, oh, no. StuBlue2. Thank you, StuBlue2. Stubelusu says, it takes a long time for people to come out as gay, and many don't come out until their late teens or 20s, changing someone's gender even earlier? What? Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, it just it, it, there's not supposed to be any sense made of this stuff. This is the key. People try and make sense of these, the, these beliefs, and they think that they're some kind of integrated, self-consistent system, and, and they are not. Uh, why bother? 
10 euro. Thank you. Again, why bother? I would correct Carrie. There's some people who love Stalin more than they love their children. If you don't know history, you're damned to repeat it. Literally, there's still people who worship Stalin. Yeah, there are. There are people who worship Stalin and a lot of people who uh, just are ignorant of Stalin and Che, as we mentioned earlier. All right. I th are we close? Is that it? We might be. That might be it for Super Chats. Not sure. I'm scrolling as fast as I can here on the secondary screen. I know watching me scroll is probably not the most compelling content ever. All right. I think I made it to the end. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, now the credits. Now cue the credits. This is the day of bad producing. That's what today is. So later, everyone. Have a good weekend, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Twitter tells me there is a 98.2% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. It is not a cult. Now please forsake all previous beliefs and stop asking questions. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.